Now, I need your deck. This is a bad one, the worst yet. There was an escape from the off-world colonies two weeks ago. Six replicants, three male, three female. They slaughtered 20... A Blade Runner's job is to hunt down replicants, manufactured humans you can't tell from the real thing. What's this? Roy Batty, probably the leader. Hello and welcome to the Dead Letter Movie Podcast. This is episode 71, recorded July 17th, 2022. I'm Tim. I'm Andrew. And I'm Lily. And I'm Chase. Yay, we have guests this week. <laughs> yes, we're joined with our friends from the Hair of the Werewolf podcast. And today we are going to be discussing 1982's Blade Runner back with 2002's Minority Report. So yes, we're going to be discussing a couple of science fiction movies uh, based off of the works from Philip K. Dick. And uh, yeah, so let's, uh, let's get into this. They don't advertise for killers in a newspaper. That was my profession. Ex-cop. Ex-Blade Runner. Ex-Killer. Blade Runner is the third film from Ridley Scott. This was after The Duelists and after he made a big name for himself with Alien. And so they let him, uh, Warner Brothers let him make a adaptation of Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick, which is a, a kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of a detective fiction movie, but not really. Uh, defect, uh, sorry, detective fiction novel, but really it's a science fiction thing about discussing um, what it is to be human, but we'll get to that later. So it is 2019, November 2019, and Rick Deckard is a former Blade Runner who is someone who would hunt down and shoot miscreant robots known as lep lep no, leprechants, no, known <laughs> as replicants. They lose limbs constantly. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's just mm -hmm. all the time, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But they have pots of gold, so it's all good. <laughs> yes, yes, so... Uh, replicants are um, robot slaves that we built to more or less work off-world for the most part. Um, they generally only have a four-year lifespan, and there are four that have come back to Earth that are going to come and make a muck of things because they want to live a little bit longer, and can you blame them? And so Rick Deckard is brought in to kind of hunt them down and retire them, to use their terminology. And uh, during all this, he has to go and talk to Lloyd, the bartender from The Shining, known as, you know, Mr. Terrell, uh, the head robot corporation guy. And he brings him in to talk to his assistant, Rachel, who is also a... a I'm gonna I'm gonna try to say try to say replicant, but I'm gonna keep accidentally saying robot, and I'm sorry. Um, so yeah. So and so he starts developing a relationship with with uh, with Rachel, and uh, things get complicated. And eventually, he, um, all the all the robots are killed. Um, only two of them are actually killed by Deckard, but uh, that's that's okay. Um, but ultimately, they depending on the version of the movie you watch, um, he and Rachel either escape to the outtakes of The Shining. Um, or, or they just leave and go off to their life to do something else. Um, and we had a whole sequel that kind of talked about that, but we'll get to that later. Um, we are, however, talking about the final cut version of the movie, which is the more easily available one, which is the most similar to the director's cut that came out. We'll talk a little bit about the theatrical cut later, but, um, yeah. So the movie is man hunts robots, falls in love with a robot, um, and what are the philosophical and science fiction implications of understanding what is a human is the kind of big thing. Is there anything from the plot I missed out? I feel like I gave, I always give broad strokes here, but I feel like yeah, I... Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, we've, we've talked about this movie kind of in the margins on the show before, and we mm -hmm. did talk about the sequel. We did a, a whole episode where we reviewed it when it came out. You know, one one thing that's... It's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to you know put my, my nerd hat on, not that I ever take it off. Common misconception is is that these these artificial creatures are 
robots. They're yeah, they're not, not really they're not robots. Really. Yeah. And yeah, they're 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 made of organic material. These are not creatures of of gears and and pistons and and servo mechanisms. It's like these, although they these seize are, up like those things, though it seems they, to be they, the case. They do. Right. So so there there's there's some some weird kind of cross contamination of of concepts here. But they're they're organic. They're genetically engineered. But they're supposed to not be human. But they they kind of are. And and that's where the the meat of the plot really is, or it's supposed to be. I wouldn't say that's the meat of the plot. That's the meat of the philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you, because as we can see, that movie works without you not knowing any of that. Um, you just know, like, it's because uh, the plot of the movie is that a detective is hired to hunt down evil people, quote unquote, evil, right. evil people. Like the general, like ideas though are different. <laughs> um, does that make the plot better? I think so. Um, but yeah, for the most part, this is. You know, it's a film noir plot. It's a detective trying to find is he's hired by a client to go hunt down people. So yeah. yeah. And he's yeah, because the noir elements are he's against it. He doesn't want to do it. And he mm -hmm. kind of hates the world and he kind of feels like he's he's he always questioning question everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, he lives in he he lives in Los Angeles, and it's apparently a Los Angeles where it rains all the time in the future, which is, I guess, nice because um, that is so not how it is in real life. Ah, uh, um, but it's acid rain. It's yeah, true, it's it supposed to be rain. that the the like pollution and global warming has like kind of scorched things, and there was even a war, and yeah. so all this stuff oh, yeah, has yeah. ruined it. So yeah, like you said, it's acid rain. It's it's very unpleasant because the Earth is supposed to be ruined. Right. Well, in this movie, I feel really built the what we think a dystopia is supposed to look like with its just general aesthetic. Like, I, whenever I watch a dystopia movie, I'm almost always comparing it to this world. Um, yeah, and we, we're given like little bits of what apparently happened. Um, apparently a good chunk of the world's uh, or a good chunk of the richer population has moved off world to be somewhere yeah. else. And so like that kind of like the world is left like this. The, one could say that there is this is what uh, the intervening years of Wally -E looked like. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> pre Wally. -E, yeah. Yeah. Pre Wally. -E. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, that's not much of a stretch. Yeah, and ugh, that's a it's not a fun a fun thing to think. Of. It's because everything's like synthetic. I mean, we, we apparently plants mm -hmm. are not synthetic, but most animals are. So yeah. that's yeah. that yeah, was a they're... big thing that wasn't really in the movie, but it was uh it was actually a major plot point in the book oh, yeah. is that a status symbol was owning real pets, like mm -hmm. ones that are alive. They kind of talk about it in the movie when they're referring to the scale, like oh, this is a manufactured animal. Mm -hmm. But in the book, the the main guy Deckard. He owned a sheep, which is kind of one of the reasons the title came from. But he always uh, wanted to own a real animal, but his sheep was artificial. And uh, yeah, even the finale of the book is about an artificial animal, a frog. But that's not even in the movie. Okay. Yeah. Probably they, for a good reason. They, they do call it out a couple of times in the movie. There's there's a bit with the owl that, that mm. recurs. Oh, yeah. She, she brings yeah. that up at the beginning. And True. there's a at one point there's a snake and, and he asks, is that real? It's like, no, nah, it, I, I wouldn't be working here if I could afford a real snake. And it's like these, these are all engineered in the same way as the humanoid replicants are. Yeah. Yeah. Is the idea. Mm -hmm. Fun time. All right. So when I think about what makes this movie work, um, the... I do think the I think one of the reasons why this movie has such a big staying power is that general aesthetic of what's going on. It's got that really if I have any complaints about the final cut version is that I don't particularly like the color grading. The uh, if you can find the the director's cut or even the theatrical cut, they have a, a color palette that is 
Um, a little is a little drab, I'll admit, but I think it kind of suits the world a little bit better. It's but very eighties. Very, yeah. it is a very eighties way of looking at it, and and that color palette still works in the final cut. But mm -hmm. that's just because it's still like the the aesthetic is still there. It's still like we only have four colors in this world, um, except yeah. for like a number of neon signs to a certain extent. Yeah, the final and, cut has kind of like a green blue hue, mostly yeah. green passes put over it, and. It doesn't make it look bad, and in fact, you don't even notice it. From if you've seen the movie a million times, you might not even notice it. It's when you see mm. them side by side, you're like, "Oh, I really see it." <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if you don't have nothing to compare it to, it's you know, it's not a problem. Yeah. Um, but uh, they the, that was like my only thing is like because I know about what it looked like before, like I do kind of like that that way it looks. But um, the other cool thing about this movie is I I actually like the film noir plot of it. I watched it this time. Because I had just bought, watched a couple of film noir movies, so I kind of pre-made it in my head as this like 1947 Robert Mitchum movie, and I was having a lot of fun with that this time, and I actually kind of really enjoyed it. Like, what is you know maybe like maybe in the 40s they wouldn't have necessarily been like you know sentient robots necessarily, but maybe they would have been like people who are going to be dying of something else pretty soon, and they just want the sure. cure, and this guy won't help them out, and you know so like that's that's something that you know I really I actually found myself really enjoying that plot this time. Yeah, but that actually makes sense because you're right. It almost feels like they're just kind of throwaway humans. Like if it mm. was sort of disease and they're like, well, you're not going to live that long anyway. And we're just going to get rid of you uh, because you're just like either a, a, a sponge in society or like some something. Mm -hmm. that why should we care? Why should we care about you? And, you know, the fact that the replicants, it just adds a factor, of course, in Blade Runner that they're like, you're just so not human and, and you're just an issue. Um, yeah, it's basically taking out the trash almost. Um, yeah. Like, worthless. Um, for sure. He's a he is a, a although Blade Runner is like just like a term for someone who retires these you know oh, right replicant like he's also kind of a garbage man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, and they don't even seem to like him in the movie. The Blade Runners are definitely portrayed as kind of like the scummy detective yeah. because their whole role is going out and hunting and killing people. And, you know, they even have that one question, like, have you ever, uh, when Rachel asks him, have you ever retired a human by mistake? Because I think there's this notion that Blade Runners kill a lot of people and they hope they're replicants, but mm -hmm. they don't know. Because I think, uh, I don't think they mentioned in the movie, but in the book, you you couldn't tell if someone was for sure a replicant until you uh, did an autopsy and looked at their bone marrow. Because that's how oh, close mm -hmm. to humans they were. So the idea was they used the void comp machines, the empathy mm -hmm. machines. Yeah. To, as a way to detect them. But then the question is, is that machine even accurate? Right. And because mm -hmm. um, Tyrell, when he has Decker come in to do the void comp on Rachel, he says, uh, he said, she's a robot, isn't she? She doesn't know it. And he's like, yeah, but how long does it take you with normal replicants? It was a lot harder with her because we mm -hmm. worked harder to make her give her fake memories and everything to make her it's seem even more life. human. Yeah. Yeah. It's your birthday. Someone gives you a calfskin wallet. I wouldn't accept it. Also, I'd report the person who gave it to me to the police. You've got a little boy. He shows you his butterfly collection, plus the killing jar. I take him to the doctor. And as someone who's had to do, like, inventory-type questions to, like, assess people's mental health and stuff, these are some really weird questions. Um, oh, yeah. Like... Yeah. Like, it's your birthday. Someone gives you a calfskin wallet. What? Like, eh, okay. But I think it worked because they were helping establish how weird the world was here. Like, yeah, I would yeah. take my kid to a doctor. And I thought that was a really genius way to help do world building without it being in your face. Because most, most science fiction that's badly written, they give mm -hmm. you, like, a 
10 paragraph diatribe at the beginning so you can mm-hmm. know the world you're in and mm-hmm. good writers know how to bring that stuff in through dialogue and mm-hmm. they, they did i think very well in this so okay like uh the, before we get uh, before i get into the stuff that doesn't work very well but i do have one question in kind of that regard is that there's someone once somebody some critic said you know it's never a good sign when the movie opens with a paragraph of text and right. and and the thing i'm curious about is like do we need that paragraph of text can it can that be the kind of thing that we can just like excise and the movie still works uh. well that's a good question i think i think it would still work but i think it'd be one of those things that it works, and the second time you see it, you you gained all the stuff they tell you through that viewing, and you're you're going to enjoy the second viewing more. Okay. And I think that text removes that necessity to see it a okay. uh, second time to fully appreciate it. Yes, it'll work without it, just like it worked without. So in the original cut, Deckard had a voiceover that he yeah. he admitted yeah, to yeah. purposefully hamming up. Yeah, it's and, it's pretty bad. Um, so yeah. the, the first time I saw Blade Runner, it was the original. It, I was seven. The director's cut had just come out, so it was on the brand new thing, and I wanted to rent it because I liked the box. But my brother, <laughs> my brother's like, just rent the original because they'll still have the original in the old movie section. And so we went and saw it. So I saw it, and the one thing I'll argue is the voiceover is terrible. Mm-hmm. That said, everything he says in the voiceover is really good information. Yeah, and it I is. think yeah. it's one of those things that I think everyone who likes Blade Runner should watch it because the stuff he adds is really good. It just enriches. It just didn't work the way it was done in the I movie. I mean, I think it's really mm-hmm. good to watch exactly like if you're a fan, you're like, I just want to know more about this world. Well, like, guess what? There's something that you can uh, watch that does provide that for you. Yeah, it's something that like now Blu-ray would have it as like a special feature exactly. that you could turn on or off. You know, like some oh, movies yeah. have alternative yeah. special effects sequences. Yeah. I, I think it would work. I mean, it, it Harrison Ford delivered it terribly, mm-hmm. but what was written there, I think, helps you understand the world a lot Perfect. better. Yeah. So like the paragraph you said at the beginning, the movie works without it, but once you know that information, there's more to the world that I think is nice. Yeah, and I actually, the the film noir guy in me actually kind of likes the idea of the voiceover. I, mm-hmm. I think that it's... Um, it's a very classic thing you know a double indemnity does it um it's you know it works really well in a couple and i think it could work for this movie if harrison ford cared right um, right um and and it is true like the 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 information we get isn't like we don't necessarily need the information that he gives us and there are and there are a couple of times when he just kind of spells out what he says like yeah. uh the the, oh. the ending thing um the uh the the la- like one of the last things he says before the uh before the stupid ending um is like he just um he like and then and i don't know why he didn't why he didn't kill me or something like he said like when roy dies like he said he says this really weird womp womp kind of line that that really bad i don't know why he saved my life maybe in those last moments he loved life more than he ever had before not just his life anybody's life my life All he'd wanted were the same answers the rest of us want. Where do I come from? Where am I going? How long have I got? All I could do was sit there and watch him die. 
that that one doesn't really stick the landing for it. But there are other times when uh, he like is I am a Blade Runner. This is what this means. And and uh, Edward James Olmos was talking to me in this weird language, which is this mishmash of other stuff, which right. which uh, makes a lot of sense for how we are moving in the world. That you know, language would change a little bit different. So, yeah. so like, I do have a question with mm. film noir stuff since I'm not as familiar with it at all. Mm. And just because of maybe I've only seen it in references to mm. shows that are supposed to make fun of it. But in my head, it always supposed to be kind of hammy. So did oh, Harrison yeah. Ford was was doing it because he's like, this is what it's actually like, and didn't try harder to make it something serious? Or <laughs> I don't know, like, do you know what I'm saying? That's like, a good he, question. he very so, specifically yeah. said he didn't want it in the film. Okay. And so he it was kind of like when uh, why can't why well, can't remember James T. Kirk the actor? We just mentioned him earlier. I'm trying Shatner. to say William Shatner. Yeah, yeah. Shatner. Oh, right. When he kissed uh, Uhura. And they said, no, you can't kiss her like that. This interracial kiss, we need to refilm it. And he purposely ruined all the other ruined ones. Like, every this is the one team. I want to yeah. be in the thing. Oh. Uh, Harrison Ford was trying to make it so bad that they wouldn't put it in the film. And uh, oh. even, did even not Ridley succeed, had, but what was that? did not succeed in doing so because they <laughs> not in the right. film. Did yeah. not succeed. <laughs> but uh, that was back when he, Ridley Scott, he was given this big movie deal because he was successful, but he still didn't have complete control over his movie. Mm-hmm. So the movie studio stepped in and it was only his third movie, so yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, that was just my question. Because I'm like, it feels like it just fits, um, you know, the way it was supposed to be, you know, back in the day when they were making a lot of film noir films. But uh, I guess he was just like, yeah, this is going to be terrible. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. And you're right. I mean, like, in a lot of ways, like, if I'm going to describe what film noir is, it's like usually a crime melodrama. So yeah. there's usually kind of like a bit of ham to it. <laughs> Um, right yeah yeah. So, yeah usually not not always sometimes not, it's not always dark and gritty but some sometimes yeah. it's it's intentionally over the top and and mm-hmm. knows that the audience is kind of laughing with it yeah. well and often an unhealthy romance right like often, the romance oh, yeah. always yeah, a yeah. very unhealthy song <laughs> you know? yeah and that's the thing um like if you if you're looking at the noir stuff like Rachel isn't really a film isn't really like a film fatale in that no, sense Pris no. would be more of a film fatale agreed um the uh, like Rachel is um she would be kind of presented as one because she's kind of like he's who he falls in love with he's but he's not like she is not the downfall of him exactly. in, in a lot of ways yeah. um whereas like Pris could have been that if it worked that way but it doesn't necessarily have to work that way yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. So, Tim, what what works for you? So the, the things that work for me about this movie mostly have to do with the production design and the, yeah. the overall aesthetic, kind of the 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 general atmosphere of it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've said this to others before, you know, like watching this movie, it's it's like it's it's so gritty and, and greasy and grimy and smoky it's like you you feel like you need to take a shower after you watch this movie just to wash all of that off that's fantastic that is so well executed yeah i i love that about it yeah yeah what about you too so for me i i 100 agree with tim on that one uh it obviously has like the incredible atmosphere the the world that it created which we obviously see in a million sci-fi movies that precede it that takes those concepts and whatnot and like that whole dystopian, you know, you mentioned earlier as well, that is just, it feels a little too real now, nowadays. And it's <laughs> yeah. getting, it, you know, it's just getting closer to it, which is always unsettling. But at the same time, you get to look at um, a world that you can believe, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really liked. And of course, you know, this, the, the replicants that they appear and just the question of what is, what, it, what does it mean to be human kind mm-hmm. of thing? Me, I'm, uh, 
you know, I'm definitely going to come off with a super bias here as someone who absolutely adores this film and has seen it ever since I was a kid. I don't want to sound cheesy when I say this, but almost everything in the movie I absolutely love. But the things that really hold up is I'm a visual effects junkie. That mm-hmm. that was what I wanted to do for a living for most of my adult life. And so I love that the visual effects still hand hold up. The Vangelis' soundtrack is oh, iconic. Yeah. I really uh, like the music in this, yeah. yeah. Every now and then you get a movie that the music is just flawless. And in this it is. And Vangelis... You know, even though he got the Academy Award for Chariots of Fire, I still think this is his best work. And mm-hmm. um, and we got to see it. They re-released the final cut in theaters a couple years ago, so we got to see it in theaters. And even though I've seen the movie a billion times, seeing it in theaters, hearing the audio remastered on real movie theater speakers, it was like I was seeing the movie for the first time again. And it just yeah. hit. Other things I think are important, the casting is incredible because... Uh, unlike something we're going to talk about a little later where, where it's the exact <laughs> opposite, uh, the actors in this movie who often are bad in other movies, this is some of their best performances. This is Sean Young's best performance. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, this is the only movie I don't hate Daryl Hannah in. Yeah. Uh, this is Rutger Hauer peak performance to me as well. Okay, I okay. Think, I agree, yeah. I agree. This is probably his peak performance, but I do have like I do have one other movie to recommend though. Um, oh. so so a movie he did I think just before this. So it was I think it was his first American movie. Um a movie called Nighthawks with with Sylvester Stallone. Um so Rutger Hauer plays a terrorist. Um, who has who's come to like New York City and to cause a to to cause a muck and Sylvester Stallone and Billy D Williams are the cops that have to like deal with him oh, and man. yeah and so it's it's my favorite version of Die Hard um, and he is <laughs> really good it. Um, it is a dumb cheesy 80s movie but it is a great dumb cheesy 80s movie I mean, and I and you've I, already sold it for me yeah That's and uh, I wonder how many movies. Uh, with the word Hawk in the title, Rutger Hauer was in. Cause... Oh, yeah, Lady Hawk as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, speaking of soundtracks, the worst soundtrack ever in a movie was Lady Hawk. I mean, <laughs> it ruined the movie. Who was that? Was that anyone particular? Oh, it's, it was, it's a band. It, I can't remember the oh, name. Was it, it, was like was it Tangerine Alan Dream? Project or something. Oh, Alan Parsons Project. Oh. I think yeah. that was it. I could be wrong, but it's terrible. Yeah, because yeah, uh, <laughs> Tangerine Dream did Legend, um, uh, uh, Ridley Scott's next movie after this but yeah i could see that not working out so i would say that most of the things with blade runner really agreed with me there's something about it just hit me on all cylinders but i was also so young when i saw it that it was kind of just always there as part of it it influenced my opinion of movies and how movies were going forward so i was essentially indoctrinated into it so I don't know if my opinion should be considered <laughs> important to other people who well, didn't see it. Yeah. yeah, we brought you in because we know you like this movie so much. Um, <laughs> Tim and I have been like historically kind of lukewarm about it, so we wanted sure, to bring sure. in some people that really like this day. movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. a few drinks. Um, no, so for me, like just real quick, one thing that I do remember when I watched it the first time, I remember being like, eh, like you said, like I'm lukewarm about it. I don't mm-hmm. really, I don't really know how I feel about it yet. But the one thing that I do remember is that I couldn't stop thinking about it mm. after. Like, it, my mind just kept repeating and, like, running things through and just saying, like, oh, I wonder what that means. And then I saw it a second time, completely fell in love. Like Chase said, it takes, like, just a second viewing for you to really not just um, know what you're going into because I, I didn't. I had no idea. But also to, like, look at the little details and appreciate everything as a whole because now you now I don't know. Now you can see it all. Totally. And then the third time I saw it was in theaters, 
which already I was yeah. like blown away. In um, your defense, the first time you saw it, you were like half studying for a test or something. Oh yeah, I should have been couch. studying and doing something else, but yeah. <laughs> so you weren't, yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah. So that's 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 what right. I liked about. I've only seen it three times and I love it. Okay. Yeah. 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 This is this was my this was like my third proper watching of it because the, oh nice yeah the first time. The first time I saw it was the director's cut and on my little TV. Um, yeah. And then and then I got a hold of the Hollywood video um, in the area had the theatrical oh. cut. Um, mm -hmm. So I remember I rented it once, but fast forwarded through a lot because I just kind of wanted to see the differences. Um, yeah. So and like mostly it was just you know hearing the monologue stuff. That's really what one of the bigger well in the ending. Um, but uh, so I did. I'm not counting on as a proper watch. But when the when the final cut came out to theaters, I mean I saw it then, and then this was the third time of me watching it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Oh, see, I guess you you kind of have a leg up because I never saw the one with the dialogue, so I've not it's... seen the. Yeah. There's I'll things about it. some YouTube videos. Yeah, 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 you can find the YouTube video. Maybe I'll maybe yeah. I'll try to link one um in yeah. the when I when I publish this. Um, I'm like, uh, yeah, it could be better. <laughs> um, I <laughs> like fair. I I like you know, and the thing is, I like the idea of it. Like like we we just talked about this, but like I don't know. Right. Yeah, it's like you'll you'll when I'm gonna try to put clips of it in as oh, we cool. talk to because i got a couple of i got a couple of uh of clips of him you know not doing a great job yeah. <laughs> so I i'm gonna try to really good that in. yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah so but now would be a good time to go into what what doesn't work um sure. so um this so like this is the third time i've watched this and this was and this was actually the time i walked away feeling actually pretty positive about it mm -hmm. um i never felt negative about it though i mean like there were just things about, i've always kind of felt like there's script problems going with it that okay. there's um just a couple of things that maybe could have been and i don't know if this is because it's from a book or if it's just they wanted to like make things easier so so like i'm gonna give people the benefit of the doubt there but the i've always i do feel like it's kind of slower paced than it needs to be mm -hmm. um like and i actually and the thing is like this is unethical and, and i'm curious if this would solve the problem for me if i just up like just bumped the playback speed when i'm watching it if i wouldn't feel that way oh, yeah. um like uh because i feel like things they take and, and it's it's taking a pace that i understand why they think it's a good idea because it's one of those things where you're trying to like sit there and ruminate about stuff but my add brain is just like we could go faster that's okay we can go like it seems like people even speak slower than they need to in this movie too, sometimes. <laughs> um like that that's Especially the kind of thing. edward james Olmos's character yeah. definitely yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's like I actually wonder if that problem would be remedied if I just bump it up to two point to like one two five <laughs> like on my playback worth, speed. It'd be worth the experiment. Like yeah. I would like to find out what you think once you do that. Yeah. Like, let me know. The like, Andrew, I'm, like I'm, yeah, yeah, the Andrew just slightly faster cut. Um, like <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious if that works. Um, and I've always had kind of a problem with Roy just dying. Like mm -hmm. the and and it's not. And I'm actually now that I've watched this like this time around, I like. I felt a little bit better about it, um, but I think I want more. In order for me to feel like that death works better, um, mm -hmm. is I want more of him fighting his body seizing up. Um, Agreed. Like oh. as as the movie's progressing, like I yeah. want to see him fight some other part of him as he's like going to go talk to Terrell or when he first shows up. Like we only kind of like get the idea that it's gonna be like he's about to die because of the the hand right stuff. Right before, yeah. he dies. like right before, yeah. and that kind and that always strikes me as like I'm kind of okay with him just dying and him not like it is funny that he's sent out to go shoot these you know, retire these replicants, and yet he only ends up actually retiring two of them. Uh, the women, he kills, well, uh, he get, like, a Pris and uh, the lady from Rabbit uh, Rabbit. Zora. Um, yeah. Zora, yeah. Yeah. Um, right. He only and, kills the women. I'm sure there's a 
concept there, but yeah. Yeah, I know. There's something a little weird there. Yeah, uh, probably somebody has already written an internet essay on it. Yeah, and it's it's way better than anything I'm going to come up with. So, yeah. Um, Although, let's be honest, like, having taken a look at Philip K. Dick's life, um, I don't know if he had the best relationship with women. Um, (laughs) Just kind of taking a look at things. So, maybe that tracks, but uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's always been kind of like my big complaint, is that I feel like Roy's death... There's a way to make Roy's death work better. Um, but that, that's always been like a thing that kind of like disappoints me. Well, I think that's a really strong argument because when I was a kid, I always, the first couple of times I saw it, I remember having talked to my brother about it. I didn't quite understand what was happening with Roy and it wasn't until I was older because seven is pretty young for this. Until I realized it's because his body was shutting down when he shoved the nail through his hand. Mm -hmm. I didn't get that when I was a kid. And I had to ask, like, why does he just close his eyes and die? I didn't get it when I was so young. Yeah. So I think that it kind of goes with the idea of what you're saying. It wasn't done as well as it should have been, because if you get everything else the film is doing, but then that part gets muddy, it means there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think that, like, and I know that Philip K. Dick had a lot of um, theological writings. So mm-hmm. I don't know if the nail through the hand thing is actually anything from the book specifically, but that is in line with a lot of Philip K. Dick's like other, a stigmata, kind like of a thing stigmata here. kind of thing. Um, you know, as a as a you know, as the Antichrist that is Roy Batty in his way. So like that's so that's something that I that I I understand why that happens, but I wish we had a little bit more of it somewhere. Like sure. or maybe like when he was killing Terrell, like that could be the first time when his hand starts seizing, and so like it makes it harder for him to kill. But you know they had to yeah. not give yeah. an X rating in America. <laughs> So, like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Tim, yeah, I have many problems with this movie. <laughs> All right, everybody, sit back. All right, here we go. Um, so, yeah, tacking on to to what you said about you know Roy just sort of dying at the end, I, I think this is a broader problem. You know, with with the replicants and and with Deckard particularly, the movie never really makes me care about them. It never gives me a good sense of who they are as individuals, as characters. So I'm never invested in their journey, where they've come from, where they're going. Why should I care? Oh, Daryl Hannah's been shot. So what? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we get the tears, but we get that tears in the rain thing, which is like yeah. a really good yeah, character which, development for him. But we get that just before he dies right. at the so. very, very end. Like yeah. I, I feel there's there's not really any emotional attachment, and part of that is is the atmosphere that they were going for with kind mm-hmm. of the noir thing, and it's 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 sort of this muted tone instead of the over the top melodrama. It's like I. I get that, but I would have cared so much more. This would have hit so much harder if I gave a crap about the characters, and I kind of just don't. It's like this: this is the performance that that the director wanted, and he got it. These are great actors. This is what they were asked to do, and they did it. And it's 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 good for what it is. And you know, it's it's got all these these great metaphysical, you know, philosophical, sci-fi concepts. It just sort of drops them on the table. I, for for me personally, I felt it didn't do enough to make me actually think about them. It's like they're they're good ideas there, but you have to dig for them. It's like if you watch the movie two or three or seventeen times, you might start to ruminate on some of them. But otherwise, yeah. you know, someone's just going to go watch this movie and said, "Oh, yeah, Harrison Ford shot a, a couple of people, and some other people also got shot, and and it's <laughs> it's raining in the future, and and now it's over." So I think what you're saying, I actually see what you're saying. I think it's a super valid argument. I think my only counterpoint to that, and this is coming from a guy who watches this movie and reads about it way too much, um, 
the, I think the at least the way it was trying to be portrayed is you were seeing the world and you were experiencing things exactly from Deckard's point of view, so that yeah. these robots were not meant to be relatable and they were supposed to be seen as evil, dangerous things. Even when they died, they died in very weird ways. And the only time in which he finally, Deckard finally realized they're not just machines, they have emotions and, and stuff, was at the end during the speech, Roy's Tears in the Rain speech. And I think you were supposed to get that realization with him at the last moment that, oh, we've been seeing it wrong this whole time. So they weren't supposed to be relatable until that final moment. Mm -hmm. But I can see how, even though that works from a narrative standpoint, in one argument, I can see why it makes the movie hard to give a damn about. And so mm. that's kind of a gamble. And I think I've heard this argument that, that you made pretty regularly, meaning it doesn't work for a lot of people, which is a good argument that it's a problem. Yeah. So it came up yeah. a lot in the in the eight in the now mind you, I will like the nineteen eighty two version that went to theaters with this with the stupid ending and everything was not the best version of this movie um <laughs> and like i don't think anyone's gonna really i mean there are things i like about it but that there's yeah uh but that was the thing that came up with a lot of original criticism is that a lot of people felt like there was a lot of it was style over substance there was they oh. they sacrificed world building for for character oh no they sacrificed character development for world building instead yeah yeah um, and so, like, that was something that came up a lot. Although there were still people that, you know, this did get released by the Criterion Collection before the director's cut um, on Laserdisc. So there were already people that were already getting into it in another. So it was already fairly polarizing. But like, yeah, what Tim's bringing up is something that a lot of people have had problems that's, with. That's yeah, so and... weird because I actually thought it was, I, I don't know, I thought it was, like, part of it. So, I mean, I mean, you know, whenever there's something bad in a movie, I'm like, I'm sure that was on purpose. And, like, it's super, mm. you know, in there. So with me, with the replicants and like not being able to like associate with them or there's always something off about them or they felt hollow. I thought that was on purpose. Like mm. the lack of character yeah. development. Like they're supposed, we're supposed to not really care about them. And not because like, oh, the, these ideas were placed in our heads, but they also act different. I mean, yeah, mm. maybe biologically they're replicated, obviously, to, to mimic a human and not have gears and, and whatnot, not to be a robot. And but there was always something wrong with them. Like you like even if you wanted to care about them, they didn't give you substance about themselves that made you care about them. Mm -hmm. So to me, I thought that was on purpose and I didn't mind it, I guess. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I agree. I, I absolutely yeah. agree. That was on purpose. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying that for for me personally, oh, I felt it that it, 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 it didn't work. Like I, <laughs> I felt if it had built a little more gradually throughout the film and, and to your to your point, Chase, it is absolutely you know, Deckard is, is the point of view character here. We're supposed to be seeing this through his eyes, but it's like he's already, you know, retired from being a Blade Runner yeah. and he's pulled back in at the beginning of the film. Why is he retired? What is he questioning exactly? He's he's just sort of sort of generally disaffected when we meet yeah. him and throughout the film until the end. Yeah. So maybe they did yeah. too well. That's a good point. They're like, we're not we're gonna make you not care about them. You're like, wow, you do that really well. I actually do not care. Yeah. <laughs> So and the the one other thing that I I want to touch on and and this is the other you know really really big hang up <laughs> is everybody gets hung up on is Deckard or is he not a replicant himself mm, so right. so Ridley Scott the director swears absolutely unequivocally that yeah he's he's a replicant Harrison Ford says no no that that can't possibly be because he has to be human in order to be relatable which kind of goes back to my previous point sure <laughs> right 
I think both of them miss the point entirely and and thereby the movie does as well is that that question is what's important. The answer is immaterial. If yeah. Deckard's a replicant, it doesn't change anything about the rest of the movie. If he's human, it doesn't change anything. Sure. Mm-hmm. All of these events and and all of the context around them such as it is remains the same. But the question about you know, what what does it mean to be human? What does it mean if we can produce these these creatures that you know, to all appearances are human and we don't know without running this this crazy, bizarre sci-fi test with any kind of certainty. And what does it mean that we can even ask that question? Mm-hmm. That's here, but that only comes out in discussion afterward. I feel like the movie yeah. doesn't bring that to the table itself. I agree with everything you said 100%. I think absolutely. I'm with you. Wasn't it because... I thought it was already established that they didn't care. Like, I'm, I'm assuming these conversations had already taken place to death in that world. Yeah. And they were like, we've already decided as a society that they don't matter. Yeah. Or something. And and now we talk about it because you're like, this is new to me. What are you talking about? Well, but, I, yeah. but I think the point being made here is that the narration, the narrative of the movie, that is an immaterial point. You can criticize the movie for what it is and and everything. And it doesn't matter whether or not he's a robot. That's more a philosophical question, as Tim said, that is talked about later right. when you're discussing it afterwards. But whether or not he was a robot, you can watch the movie and say he is or he isn't, but the movie's going to be the same movie. Uh-huh. And I think I think that's a very good point. Yeah, that's that's a weird argument to have when you're trying to talk about what works and doesn't work within a movie and everything like that. And and I think that was what Tim was implying that. Right. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. No. that is the number one thing that comes up when people talk about the movie. Every Let's talk about other stuff because that's that's the philosophy of it. That's yeah. that's something else. And and to be honest, like I do, I think it's a more interesting movie if he's a if he's also a, a, a replicant. Ugh, this word I cannot say. It. I <laughs> I do think it is a much more interesting movie if he's a replicant as well. Um, however, I don't okay. know that makes the movie better. I just think it makes it more interesting. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, and and I don't need it spelled out for me necessarily. But yeah, I do kind of agree with with everyone here that it's. You know, it's it's not it's not really the important question. And maybe that is the thing that happens because audiences have to have this kind of thing. And I do think they need answers. Yeah, I yeah. think I think that's normal to ask questions to yeah. be like, where, sure. where, yeah. where are you going? What's the perspective or like from the protagonist or whatever? And for me, it was a question that I was thinking constantly while I was watching the movie. I was wondering, is there a twist? But maybe it's because I watched too many movies where they're like, you know, half his face is off and it's like a robot. And I'm like, oh, mm. I knew it. You know, or something. I was waiting for that moment, and I never got it. So I'm like, wait a minute. We know we don't really know if he's a robot or like a replicant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I guess I never got that satisfaction, only because I thought it was going to happen. Well, and it doesn't help yeah. that like that eye thing um, that happens. Yeah, like right. that's like the the. It seems it also is surprising to me that they have to do all this effort to like ask these questions to elicit an emotional response when they could just like hit their eyes a certain way with light at a perfect angle to figure it out. But uh, like, but you know, Harrison Ford has that one moment um, in the movie, which is like that and the, and the unicorn. Mm -hmm. Like those are the things that really make you think that. And the unicorn wasn't even in the original cut. Yeah. I thought, yeah. It's super, super subtle. Yeah. Like the, the unicorn scene isn't in the original cut, but the, the, the little origami unicorn. Yeah. The origami unicorn is though. I yes. think still, yeah, because oh, yeah, okay. and so there's, I don't know, man. It's a, I, I like I said, I think it's more interesting if he is one as well, but I don't, 
I don't think it makes the movie any better or worse, but I do think yeah. it makes us ask that question maybe in such a manner that doesn't lead us to the place where it is immaterial. It comes off more important than it should be, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. The, the question itself is what's important. And and I agree it's more interesting. And and I, I said this when we talked about uh, Villeneuve's sequel, uh, is that that movie still doesn't answer the question definitively. It, it doesn't tell us one way or the other. And you know what? It still doesn't matter. It's it's a little more interesting if he is. Mm-hmm. But the point is to even be asking the question and have those discussions. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. but but this movie doesn't give us that. It, yeah. it just doesn't. Right. Well, if he is one, he's definitely not a Nexus Six. So that's, that's right. Like, yeah, that's if, the if, only if thing is, we know for sure. The idea is that he's is, different, yeah. like Rachel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. if if he is, he's he's something completely different. It's like he's he's he had been a Blade Runner for years, and you know, actual humans who were were in the business, you know, knew him for for years doing this. So it's like he's he's not going to just suddenly die at the end of a four year lifespan or anything. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And Ryan Gosling is mm-hmm. also like he is straight up a, a replicant, yeah. right? Yeah, like, I, yeah. I, yeah I we have no they, question about yeah. that in the sequel, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. they they told us that right up front, and I love mm-hmm. that. It's like. This this isn't about whether he is or isn't. He is. Yeah, we've already we've now already we can get into some really interesting questions. Disproving yeah. Harrison Ford's argument that he has to be human to be relatable. <laughs> Take that, Ford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although he was really good in the sequel. Oh, I love Harrison Ford. I yeah. I actually think Harrison Ford's great. amazing. I just I I don't think I've ever been able to say "Take that, Ford" in my life. So I took that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Well, is there anything that doesn't work for you two? Uh, let's see. Oh, actually, well, I don't know if it's supposed to be a bad thing, but for me, it eventually didn't. But I think the fact that, I think Tim did touch on this, obviously, um, that you do have to watch it maybe a second time mm-hmm. to really, like, get it. And maybe he was like, well, I'll, I'll give it another shot or something. And maybe people feel that way. They're like, I don't know if I liked it. And then they're able to forget about it. And then unfortunately, they might not ever get that second chance to yeah. maybe watch it again and fall in love with it. Or if you ever do, I mean, obviously, some people don't, but I did. And if I didn't get pushed or if you weren't like, I want to watch Blade Runner. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and then I did. And I was like, wow, this movie is amazing. And all the little things I was thinking about constantly, you know, it all came together. So I think that would be definitely the, the worst part about it for me. Yeah. It's like if, if people just didn't care enough and they don't get they don't get to like it eventually yeah i can i can see like the the having to watch it again thing can be both a a cool thing and a detrimental thing i totally feel that yeah 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 movies that are enhanced on second viewing works but saying you have to see it a second time like when everyone kept telling me you need to watch inception a second time like no i don't i figured it out (laughs) the first time it's not as complicated as you think it is we've seen movies that do the same thing more more intricately and complicated like existence and stuff. I'm like, this is not, it's not my first rodeo. Yeah. Um, but I think Blade Runner is the same thing. You, it doesn't, it isn't as good mm-hmm. the second time around either. Yeah. yeah. Right. But uh, so, so with me, I have two major complaints. The first one is kind of a complaint I have with Ridley Scott in, in general. Mm-hmm. He does some, he has some directing habits that i'm not crazy about mm. uh and particularly towards the end when you're talking about the scene with roy and i think the, it's really compounded there some of his editing cut cuts and choices are pretty poor mm. and so a lot of his movies suffer from moments particularly action scenes where you get kind of confused he has weird cuts weird shots where you, you kind of have to sit there and you're thinking to yourself you're pulled out of the movie because you're kind of trying to think wait what did i just see what's happening it happened 
in uh, Alien when uh, the uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy with the trucker hat is in the back area with the chain oh, dangling. Um, that scene was, was edited yeah. very weird, and it, it was a it's it just a complicated so, scene. Harry yeah, like, Dean, right? Yeah. With Daryl Hannah, I feel like that scene, the fight scene. Uh-huh. I was like, are they fighting or is she just freaking out? And then he, it kind of happened. Both. Yeah, yeah. So I think Ridley Scott, when he's when he's doing it well, he's amazing at it. But he has just too many scenes in most of his movies where I just feel like he's kind of falling apart with how to edit a scene. Mm-hmm. And Blade Runner has more than a few of those. And they're they get more and more towards the end. The, the more the action picks up, the editing gets problematic, and I have right. a big issue with that. Because uh, I think the 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 final scene, uh, the final action battle, felt like the worst edited part of the movie, and mm-hmm. and I have a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. The other problem I have is actually, I mean, it's going to sound funny, but it's it's a problem I have with a lot of science fiction, and that is the hairdos. <laughs> they, there's a there's a valiant issue here where it's supposed to be the future and so much is futuristic but then you get these two women who have peak 80s hairdos totally and yeah. it it just sticks out like a sore thumb when you see it now and i i just i just wish more movies were able to understand we need to create something new fifth element did it they hired designers to say create cohesive Futuristic. And there's many versions. hairstyles I've never seen in my life or since. Yeah. 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 Weird yeah. stuff. But well, I would rather yeah. that, really. Yeah. I'd yeah me too. Yeah. Like Zorg and Fifth Element has a hairdo. You're like, maybe people will be really stupid in the future with plastic pieces, but it looks foreign. The hat. Yeah. Whereas when you see Pris and Zora's hair, you're just like, everything about this is peak 80s. And I, it, 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 even to this day takes me out. When I saw it as a kid, it took me out of it because mm-hmm. I, I was aware that women don't have hair like this now in 92. Right. So mm-hmm. it was, yeah. If there's, if there's any compliment, I'll give the other star, the, 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 the second star Wars trilogy, um, the, like the force awakens. Sure. Yeah, the sequel like, trilogy, the sequel trilogy. They did do uh, some more people have seventies hair in those, in those movies. Um, so they at least like, like cohesively tried to maintain yeah. The aesthetic. Yeah, they like you know other people have seventies haircuts, even yeah. though like like because mm-hmm. like that was the thing that I I always felt that way about Star Wars. Like, why does Luke have like total seventies right. hair? Um, you know, not I mean uh, Leia's got weird hair, so like that like just in general. Yeah. So like, but uh, yeah. but I mean like Luke and Han Solo have like definitely late seventies hair, and Absolutely. so and so they made sure Poe Dameron had late seventies hair. Yep. So I mean like they they at least thought of that. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give <laughs> yeah. them that at least um, with all the problems that those those movies have. But yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like we kind of like hit a lot of the base, uh, hit a lot of the big themes that we. Um, the, uh, that like already um, the only theme that I think that we haven't really talked about that I think is interesting when you're looking at it from like a robot kind of perspective is being a cog in the system um, I think that there's there's a lot of rebelling against that and I think that's kind of where where Deckard is early on too he's kind of tired of being mm-hmm. a cog in the system and so he gets pulled back into that system and so I wish there was a little bit more of him fighting that maybe because um, I think that there's a lot of that going on with the four replicants that they're just like I don't want to be part oh, yeah. of this anymore I want my own thing I want my own like and I think that that's the fact that Deckard used to have that, maybe he had that, mm-hmm. depending. Um, and now that he has that is brought back into it, like I find that that's actually kind of it. It's not a big theme. I'm not saying it's like you can write a whole big essay about it, but it's something that I found interesting this time around. Well, and, and Tim touched on that earlier when he kind of and it's I feel really embarrassed that I've never thought about this before. But he asked, "Well, why did Deckard quit originally? We don't know. They don't tell us." And I sat there and I'm like, "Man, 
now I really want to know. And that would have been, it goes in with what you're saying, being the cog in the system where you have all these replicants who want to have normal human lives, but then you've got like a human guy who doesn't want to be part of the normal human experience because mm-hmm. he hates it. Yeah. And there's that, there's all this stuff, but. No, yeah. like it's not that great. <laughs> it's not, it's not as good as you think <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would have been great if the movie had talked about that even a little bit. That, that would have got my mind going, and it didn't. Yeah. Man, you made me think of something I've never thought about, and I feel like it was so obviously there, and now I'm like, damn. Yeah. What have I been doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> Question everything. Uh, Why did he quit? Damn. Why did he quit? Why did he quit? Well, I mean, like, and that's and that's always like a thing we get in every other kind of like uh, ex cop narrative, like yeah. you know. Like in every movie where like someone used to be a cop, they always explain why. Well, his partner died, or like his wife left him because of it, or like you know, or, or something like something like, or yeah. like, a, or Eddie's brother got killed by a tune. That's why, like you know, stuff like so, that. Like interestingly yeah. enough, they do. It was completely cut, so we got the icky happy ending in the original cut that they got mm-hmm. rid of in the later cuts. But on the final cut mega DVD that had like seventy two DVDs of content, oh, yeah, yeah. they yeah. had a, uh, a another happy ending that was not used, oh, where him and Rachel have conversations in the car while they're driving oh. instead of just a voiceover. And she asks him, "How long did you know your wife?" And he said, "A little while, but what's a long time?" And she goes, hmm. "Forever." And it was kind of this moment where I was like, "Man, well, he never talked about his wife because." He's married in the book, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they didn't even talk about that. But that one cut ending did have one cool moment, which really goes into that whole is he a replicant thing, is the last line she had was she says, we were made for each other. And mm-hmm. that's like, it's yeah. a little on the nose, but I liked it when mm-hmm. I saw that. I thought that yeah. was pretty interesting. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, there's like seven versions of this movie you can get a hold of in some manner, oh, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. Like, like yeah there's and it's, let's keep in mind that the only reason why we have other cuts of this is because some project some somebody at warner brothers sent the wrong print one time yep. like like the unfinished true? versions things yeah. like yeah that. yeah the the work print version yeah yeah the yeah. work print i couldn't remember the name that's yeah. exactly it yeah yeah and so like that's the only reason why like some one like los angeles revival house just got the wrong print one time and and that but it was popular and they said well yeah. we can re-release this now because people are liking this more because it didn't have the complete audio or anything mm-hmm. like that oh, wow. yeah <sighs> yeah well can say so you can watch let's see if i can remember so there's there's the original theatrical cut there's mm-hmm. the work print that you can get a hold of apparently mm-hmm. the cbs tv cut is a thing that's <laughs> that people are really into for some reason i don't know why but you can get a hold of it um there's the international cut um, then there's the director's cut, and there's the final cut. Like so, that's six, six different things that I can think of off the top of my head of versions of this movie that you can like but go I mean, and seek out. Some of those cuts are virtually identical. The international yeah, cut yeah, totally. is the theatrical release with I think like eight seconds of additional footage, right? Yeah. And that's it. Like yeah, the, yeah. calling those different cuts is seriously you're you're gonna miss more by going to the bathroom in the movie theater. Totally, it's not <laughs> you are you are right. You are right. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a not little like bit of a stretch. Vastly different movies. Yeah, it's it's not like that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Any other things you guys want? Like any other th- themes? Just I, things you noticed? Anything? This is a weird thing, but for anyone who's listening who really likes the Blade Runner movie, I highly recommend you play the video game that came out in the mid '90s. Oh. Because it takes place during the movie, and you can adventure around in the same scenes, and you play a different Blade Runner. Oh. It's really good for people into the lore. For people who don't like the movie, do not play the game because it's, <laughs> it's the movie as a game. But yeah. it just got re-released, I think, a week ago, updated and everything. But oh, I've played pretty, it all the time. Recently. In the late 90s. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Early, and it was, earlier this year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And it's just a, it's just a fun game if you really if you eat everything up that's Blade Runner related, but need not apply if that's not you. So I, I I will say very quickly that you know for for all of my complaints and and all the flaws that this movie has, you know, it is still a a big culturally significant movie. It it wasn't necessarily at the time. It's it's definitely a cult thing with a long tail. Yeah, yeah this was another ET casualty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I as 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 much as I am not a huge fan, I do like that this movie exists and that we can have these these conversations about it. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. All right. So if I'm gonna like if I'm so this is so I've warmed up to the movie more this time than I have before. It's mine is the third time I've watched it, but I have liked it more each time I watched it. So maybe if I you know, or maybe <laughs> it's maybe, maybe. maybe if I just do what Chase did and just just watch it seventy times. Um, <laughs> But the, thing, the difference is when I watched it when I was like seven, I loved it then too. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But it, it's so I I never had the learning experience. But when I was that age, my favorite movies I saw that year I remember were Blade Runner and Batman Returns mm-hmm. because Ooh. that's what you do when you're seven. You play with your Batman toy, and then when you're feeling moody, you're like, I'm gonna go watch Blade Runner. I, I don't get it. That's just what I get. <laughs> hey, no, I get it. I get it. Okay. Yeah, we, did, okay. we did a whole episode on Batman Returns, so I, I yeah. totally yeah. feel you there. Favorite uh, Christmas movie of all time. It <laughs> is. It is a great alternate Christmas movie. Big fan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I when I so this third time, like I warmed up to it a lot more um, this time. I do kind of feel like the sluggish pace is the thing, and I don't really feel like Roy's death is super earned. Well, I don't know if earned is right, but it's it's missing something. And so like I'm gonna for my grade, I'm actually gonna give the B minus. Um, I think there, and I'm also like Tim. I'm very glad this movie exists. I think there's a lot of cool things yeah. in it. Um, I think it's very, like, it's very important. Um, I think it's also like how I described, um, Batman Returns is like maybe the most Tim Burton movie. This might be the most Ridley Scott movie, um, because it's like, yeah. doesn't get it right the first time. Right. Um, <laughs> it's a little, is a little too into how it looks more, has the weird editing issues. Um, but, yeah. um, it has all the faults, but it also has a lot of the, the 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 good the the advantage the good things that he brings as well yeah. so yeah. like that's probably, like, probably like, uh, either this or or Prometheus is is Ridley Scott <laughs> at peak Ridley Scott peak Ridley that's not not like peak at like his best but like peak as him mo- his most the most Ridley Scott, the most the Ridley Scott. Yeah. um yeah but that, that's where I'm at yeah. whoever yeah. wants to go next yeah so I don't know I think I would rate it um I would okay this is gonna be weird but I would rate it like an a minus because the curve allowed it otherwise it might Mm. be a b plus because like I feel like it's such a good movie and I really like it but I can't just watch it anytime Mm -hmm. it can't be ever not a comfort movie not a easy movie to digest whenever you're just like let me pop something in that I like Mm -hmm. so that's why it's an a minus for that only reason but I but otherwise it would be higher otherwise I just really like it yeah I, my rating. I think you put it into words perfectly, what I would say. The only thing I would add is I would say, I'd say A- minus for pretty much the same reasons. I would argue because, as I said earlier, I have a huge bias towards it because of my exposure to it. But I would say it's kookaburra licorice. For people mm. who love licorice, it's the best you can get. But a lot of people hate licorice, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's, like that's that. me exactly here. Um, so Tim I'm, does I'm not down... like licorice. <laughs> I, I, I do not. I, I also don't really like this movie. There there are things to like about it. Um yeah, I'm I'm kinda down the yeah, I'll 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 say C plus. It's not a bad movie. It's really not. And there are things to like and you know appreciate more, I I think. Mm-hmm. And, and and even in some cases love about it, but I mean it's it's flaws just really bring it down for me. I, I've said for years, it's like for all the hype, this movie really is overrated. It's not bad, 
but it's overrated. I've always been like surprised about like the the like fifty year old men I meet who like are really into this movie, and I'll be like, "What? What makes you really like this movie?" And yeah. they're like, oh, it's just awesome. And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> what what exactly like, is, is awesome about it? Yeah. Go, what, go, yeah, go a little so, bit deeper here, please. Yeah, just please. just I mean, just like, just a bit." I mean, like, what makes this more awesome than, like, Top Gun, which is, you know, like, another movie that I have always had, like, kind of, like... It's like, rock on on. Uh, but but yeah. this movie doesn't suffer from things like Top Gun does. It doesn't have, like, sexploitation themes or anything. Where, yeah. with people says, I really like it, you're like, there's probably like, three reasons I can imagine why you like it. With Blade Runner, when people say they like it, you're a little bit more curious about what it is. That they yeah. Like. yeah. Top Gun, you're like... You, you I know exactly what you're into. Them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I know exactly what you like about Top Gun. Yeah, you're totally right there. You're, yeah. you're completely right, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, well, speaking of Tom Cruise, let's mm-hmm. take a let's take a jump. So uh, Blade Runner came out on June 25th, 1982, but we're going to take a jump of almost 20 years to June 17th, 2002, and we're going to discuss... Okay, Jad, what's coming? Double homicide, one male, one female. Killer's male, white, 40s. Set up a perimeter and tell them we're en route. I'm placing you under arrest for the future murder of Sarah Marks. Give the man his hand. The future can be seen. All we have to run on are the images that they produce. We see what they see. There hasn't been a murder in six years. There's nothing wrong with the system. It is perfect. I agree. Murder can be stopped. Tell me exactly what it is you're looking for. Flaws. Did we get any false positives? Minority Report. Um, so this is directed by Steven Spielberg. This is his. It was this was the movie he did right after AI, which was a movie that has. I don't think anyone in this room is particularly into it, but uh, it did have its following. Um, I I don't know. There's things about AI that I find fascinating, but I would never call it good um there are things that are done well but then there are things that are not done so well it's what happens when you make a stanley kubrick movie directed by steven spielberg anyway this however is spielberg directing philip k dick um this is time it's based off a short story um with the same names so mid 20 21st century we are in a world where murder has been basically stopped um in, in washington dc <laughs> yeah, in washington, in washington, washington everywhere else in the world murder still happens normal but in washington dc they have what would what uh, if i could to be somewhat in an insensitive way of putting it we have three future scene crack babies um these are <laughs> these are children of drug addicts who through this through all this are able to see the future figure out who's going to kill who and um, there is a whole task force that is trying to figure out. Um, they only get it in vision, so they only get um, they only get like they only get the event happening. So they have to figure out, uh, and they get the names of they get the name of the victim and the name of the murderer. Um, but they have to, and the, the task force has to figure out everything else. Oh no! Wait, they get the time too. They also get the, mm-hmm. the time when mm-hmm. it happens. When and then exactly? So, yeah. yeah, and so they get they know it's going to be in the greater Washington D.C. area, and. Uh, they know that it's in a short amount of time, and so they have to figure out the clues in the visions of where it is and how to stop it. We get uh, pretty early on, we get a pretty quick one uh, about this guy who's going to, you know, kill his cheating wife and then doesn't because Tom Cruise comes and stops him. And so what happens is Tom Cruise is the lead of this. Um, he has a name. I don't know what it is. It's just Tom Cruise. So Tom it. Cruise is... Yeah, what it's, is his it's, name? <laughs> what is it? A- a- Anderson? Oh, Anderton. 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 So, Anderton. Yeah. Because yes. I have, I kept John thinking Anderson, Anderton, like in the Matrix, yeah. but it had a new letter. Right. Yeah, yeah. Anderton. So yeah. John it's, Anderton. It's super generic. 
Yeah, which is the name of the character in the book. In the yeah, story. It's the same yeah. as the book. Yeah. 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 Um, so John Anderton is the is the head of this task force, and one day, while everyone else is like on a coffee break or something, uh, a vision comes in that he killed some guy that he doesn't even know, and he's going to kill him in a very short amount of time. Like and fifty so, hours. Or something. In like fifty hours, and so it's a race against the clock for him to try to evade capture and also figure out why would he want to kill this guy. Um, so yeah, and then ultimately, like he. He doesn't actually shoot the guy, really, um, but the guy still dies. Um, he still gets caught, but then he finds out that there's this whole conspiracy about um, precog murder stuff um, that's going on with Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow had actually killed someone way before and actually hit it to someone else. And this is the part of the plot that doesn't really hold up super great. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, every, uh, listeners can't see this, but there's a lot of confused faces right here because yeah. it is not exactly the best written part of the story. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, so Tom Cruise fi- saw, figures this out. Um, even though he gets arrested, he gets jailbroke at one point too mm. and anyway it all comes down to people like you know maybe we should all have freedom and you know pre-crime is totally dissolved and everyone has a happy ending the end i yeah. guess happy That's... ending there's gonna be murders now yeah happy ending <laughs> for murder um yeah. well I, I do think one thing that should be mentioned is the title which makes you think it's uh, a movie about racial integration or racial nope, issues nope. Uh, the, the Minority Report refers to the idea that you have three precogs that all see visions, but usually two see the most similar uh, mm. vision, and that's called the Majority Report, and then one that sometimes, has a slightly weird yeah. one is the Minority Report. Sometimes the min- yeah. sometimes they disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes right. disagree. And Minority Reports are often, like, erased, but not really. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I love how it's like a minority and a majority of three people. Um, <laughs> right. But, um, sure, cool. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so that's that's what we got going on here. Um, so this was the first time I'd seen the movie since theaters. Um, so this it had been about you know twenty years since I've seen this movie, and Same totally yeah, yeah totally forgot Colin Farrell was in this movie um, yep. for for good reason as it turns out as we'll we'll yeah, get to later. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so. I like oh man so I guess like what works with this there are things that work in this movie um I think I think Tom Cruise as Tom Cruisey as he is is still a compelling you know protagonist you still want him to you still want to follow you want to know what's going on I think the detective work part of it something this does share with uh, with Blade Runner is this detective kind of narrative that's going on um like I think that that all works pretty well and uh yeah that might be it um no i'm, th- I'm right. sure there's more things that I, there's i'm sure there's more things that that i liked about it as 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 we continue but um when it comes to just what works um i'm unsure what really works really well in this there are things that are fine but none of them are particularly great i, I don't mm. know yeah I don't, that, that's that's what I got. Um, I, w- I would argue the idea of a precognition, pre-crime is a really neat idea. It is a neat and, idea, yeah. And I and I feel like the movie kind of stumbled because it didn't it didn't play with that idea so much. Like they they still wanted to prove why it was wrong, but they did it in such a dramatic way instead of really analyzing the idea of if you have three people predicting the future and there's variation, that's a much more interesting thing to discuss. I just don't think they approached it very well. I have a theory about that, but when we get to themes, I'll, I'll, I'll delve yeah. into that. Um, yeah. I'm just going to straight up say the, the part I had the hardest time with in this movie, hardest time, just want to say is that when the precog gets taken out of her bathtub and, and Tom Cruise starts dragging around, how are these three people who like never walk and never do anything? How can she walk? Good question. Like how, 
How can she do anything? I mean, she didn't do it well, but she wasn't. But she's still able to walk. There are people who are in a hospital bed for six months and they can't walk. Right. Uh So this this is what is known in the business as a plot hole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get over it, Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's a there's a lot of things that could be could be a little bit better. Yeah. There 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 are a few in this movie. Yep. All right. Yeah. What, what, what about you, Lily? What doesn't work? Or what does work for you? What does work? Yeah, yeah, it's very easy to say what doesn't. But right now we're saying what does. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I actually thought Tom Cruise was really good in it. I thought he, yeah. he I mean, he, yeah. he had to, but he mm-hmm. did carry the movie well. You know, I'm really glad they picked him because it could have just been a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. And, and they could add Paul Walker in it. <laughs> R.I.P., man. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, he, so, he was doing stuff then, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. He, was, yeah. he was, he was. Varsity yeah. Blues? Yeah. Varsity Blues, I think so. Yeah. Um, was he, wasn't yeah. he in Tammy and the T-Rex? I never saw that movie. I never saw that. I've heard I that, that my life is better because of that. Yeah, like, that was the late <laughs> 90s, so I think he was already doing stuff then. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah, I've never heard it. Um, yeah, don't so, watch yeah. it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to scratch that from the list for yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tom Cruise is really good in it. Um, and I guess a lot of the concepts were really, really interesting that, you know, you really, I start, we started talking about them as well. Like, what if this really was a real thing? So at the very least, they're really good conversation starters as far as like what it would be like when you are kind of, you know, certain things are taken away from you, even though you were about to commit murder. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have that choice? Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. But yeah, as far as like being able to talk about it, that would be the best part that came out of it. Just really good concepts. Yeah. 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 What about you, Tim? Yeah, I, I have to agree. The the best pieces here, for, for the most part, are the, the pieces that are directly lifted from the short story, mm-hmm. uh, which it's it's been some years since I read, but I, I found you know pretty interesting and compelling. And actually, so uh, confession, I had not actually watched this movie before. Whoa. Oh, oh, hey. <laughs> um, and I, I think most of, of where it suffers is in trying to take the short story and blow it up to this, you know, big action tentpole blockbuster mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it's like, you know, some some of that I, I get and, and it's fine. There are a number of scenes of Tom Cruise just Tom Cruising, yep. doing what Tom Cruise does. And he's 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 good in this. He's good at what he does. He's he's still doing it here. He's still good at it. Yeah, but it doesn't really further the plot or or the ideas very much. Yeah, you know, I I like the the sort of mystery detective aspect of it. You know, I I was engaged. It's like I'm I'm wondering how is this all going to play out. You know, all all throughout the movie, it's like I know there's a twist. You know, some somebody we've met. You know, just through the the law of conservation of characters, it'll mm-hmm. it'll be some character we've already seen who's mm-hmm. you know super super twisted and bad and is is gonna you know make all kinds of mess. Yeah, I mean, I, I I like the idea of you know what would it mean if if we can see you know a, a limited time into the future, but it's kind of hazy and you know what what would happen and this gets into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All right. So I think we all got a lot here. Um. So I guess we get into that. <laughs> I guess uh, yeah, man. Wow, man. Like, uh, no. The funny thing is, like, this movie was actually like pretty well received mm-hmm. when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um. And now we're just like. Eh. <laughs> But actually, what when I was reading the uh, Wikipedia page, apparently yeah. there's a lot of people they reanalyze this and say it still holds up. And I was like, wow, we watched so different movies. We watched different movies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there because uh, a lot of the stuff that what doesn't work in this movie like really doesn't work. Um, <laughs> like I actually, I actually kind of think it having like a bleak 
outlook would have been helpful in some or not a bleak outlook, but like if it had that like Blade Runner aesthetic, I think that may have helped. That would um, have been very helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I think one of the things that like just doesn't really work for me is that I feel like it has it is overly complicated. Um, I think this would have been a great two hour movie. Um, if they just got rid of that kind of stuff or like even like actually it's probably like if you if we think about it as like the short story like a good really good hundred minute movie and this was mm-hmm. this was the beginning of like this is when I start I mean AI was when I kind of was like really starting to notice it because I felt like AI had like four different endings just like the way it was but this was when I really started Spiel, started noticing Spielberg movies going longer than they need to. <laughs> And this was this was the this was the movie that really solidified my feelings on that, mm-hmm. and and that that hasn't really gone away. Um, and rewatching it, I was like, yes, I was right to feel that way. Um, yeah. Well, when, yeah. When I saw it, what I thought to myself was, uh, as Tim was saying earlier, that making it some tentpole action film, I don't think was the right choice for no. the subject matter. I think I would have been much more interested in seeing a non-action like drama possibly thriller movie about someone who lives in this world where precognition happens but they're not they're not one of the cops they're Mm. not someone involved but they're in a world like a normal person and they're trying to find a way to get away with murder i'd be Mm. way more interested in that movie and how can you get away with murder in a world where precognition exists and maybe he makes friends with an ex-cop from it and Perfect. that's and that's exactly. how he gets around. Because like the only reason why it works is because he is a cop. Like he's yeah. able to use resources and he knows how they'll think, so he knows how to get around it. Exactly. Um, yeah. But like it's it, but that's the thing that also makes it less interesting in certain in certain ways. Like because if yeah. he was just a regular person, we'd yeah. see him fail. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. Um, there are oh well going back to like so there are we all kind of agree well or at least Chase and I agree that we really like the bathtub scene after he got. His eyeball is taken out. Oh yeah, because yeah. in this world you're retinal retina scanned everywhere, and whenever you're and so like, which is like a good way to keep yourself from you know an alibi. I mean like, nope, definitely didn't do it. He was at blah at the time, you know. So that's yeah. cool, I guess. But at the same time, it's like, where's my privacy? Um, but so there are sequences that work really well. But as a whole, the yeah, there's a there's a lot to be desired. Well, and the the retinal scan thing was really interesting, but it's so funny to look back at it with modern technology where Mm -hmm. everyone has a phone in their pocket with facial recognition. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you're like, they could do facial recognition, but the whole eye recognition was a big thing. Another Philip K. Dick uh, movie adaptation called Imposter with Gary Sinise. And I think it came out the same year as this also had eye recognition as a big thing. And we believed it then, but it's so funny to see how technology works now and be like, we wouldn't do it that way. No. Yeah, we just wouldn't. Yeah, and I'm trying not to be mad at the movie for things that it gets wrong in that sense because it's like, no, it's sure, like sure. Sure. Yeah. I think it's just an interesting retrospective yeah. since we're watching it now. Is yeah. all. Yeah. However, however, you brought up the cell phone problem, which mm-hmm. they should have been able to foresee. They existed then, and as as uh, Lily had mentioned, we've seen a lot of other science fiction way older that had that personal communicators on you. They they were there. Yeah, before cell phones were even a thing, they were like, look, I'm assuming we're going to be able to have better communication devices. Even Dick Tracy in like the 1920s had yeah. a radio watch. That's right. So, I mm-hmm. mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is. Give me something. Yeah, Maybe. they definitely should have thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, why? Um, I do. Like, so we don't have cell phones, but we have jetpacks. And, and, and oh, man, it's so great because I wanted to bring this up you brought up there. The jetpack fire escape scene might be one of the hammiest worst filmed action scenes i've seen in recent memory this would have been poor for a power ranger episode in the mid 90s <laughs> it looked so bad on so... on the screen me and lily looked at each other and said, are we are we actually watching a hollywood film when this happened it was so hard to watch i actually like even compared it to what's that movie called um 
last, not last action hero, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's Christmas. Oh, yeah, Turbo Jingle. Man Turbo, from uh, Turbo Man. Uh, Jingle All the Way. Jingle, Jingle All the way. Yeah. the way. And I was like, I it literally looks like I'm watching Turbo Man because that's the quality uh-huh. of. But it worked there because yeah. that movie was meant to be cheesy. And so to. you, were, you yeah. were happy for it. <laughs> but it was so bad. Yeah. Oh my God. That, what is happening? I'm not saying if we removed that scene, the movie would have been better. It would have been, but not a lot better. <laughs> but that hurt. Worst scene of the movie, in my mind, hands down. Right. That that scene does have a a particularly interesting non lethal cop device that <laughs> I, that doesn't that seems like an interesting idea, but also seems like not something that ever ever happened in real life. Is that six stick thing, uh-huh, where like uh-huh. I'm going to make you vomit. Um, yeah. Which, what like. I mean, I get it. It does, it. it does incapacitate someone, but it's a very big mess that you'd have to deal yeah, with. Yeah, like, I don't think there, you... is there a guy following them, cleaning this up? You're yeah, like, yeah. there's just vomit all over the I place. I don't think cops right. would have it. I think it's something that you would buy at Spencer's and all the jackass crew would use it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, totally I don't right. think it's something cops would have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my god, yes. The, yeah, that's... Uh, I, like, I wrote this down. Six sticks. Hmm. Sort of surprised <laughs> these aren't an actual thing. Um... <laughs> I guess it's kind of supposed to be like pepper spray a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be something like that. Um, but at the same time, I'm just like, this would not this this would not work. Like of all the things to invent mm-hmm. in the future, and they're like, this is it. And you yeah. know, if they really did exist, there'd be people protesting it, saying like, we have food shortages, and you're making people throw up good food. Yeah. Don't do this. <laughs> and I think they would be right. Um, <laughs> um, there's the one thing I feel like that. That what okay if like another thing that I, that maybe is sort of missing from Blade Runner is like Blade Runner doesn't have like a particularly good like it doesn't have like a sense of humor about itself in any way, um, which mm-hmm. I think is fine. Like I think it's it's like it's totally good for that world that it's in. Um, yeah, it's a valid choice. It's a, it's a valid choice. Um, however, here I feel like the sense of humor in this are is very misplaced. There's these just really odd jokes that happen that mm. and i look and i'm like the kind of guy who doesn't care that much about tone stuff a lot of times people are like, oh this movie really juggles tones and i think it doesn't i rarely care about that stuff <laughs> um i do however care when a joke isn't landing well um and like when tom cruise just falls into the yoga class all weird looking i'm like that is not a good joke um <laughs> oh yeah and the girl like, like bent over all mm-hmm. awkward walking yeah i didn't like that remember, remember when he jumped off the car and then there were all these people doing yoga and the, the girls were like yeah. Their oh, hands at their sure. ankles, they're walking upside down. Like... That it was weird. It didn't. And he, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, then there's a scene when they were trying to find him, and this little spiders that felt like the things from the Doctor Who episode. Yeah, uh, were like scanning eyes and everything. And then once they scan the eye, the cops like, "Let's go get lunch." And I, it was supposed to be funny, but I was like, "Dude, you're the worst actor in this movie. I don't <laughs> want you to have any more dialogue." Yeah, yeah. There's, oh, man. There's just some bad, bad one-liners. Is that the only the only <laughs> joke? The only joke that I really like that I feel like actually works is when he's about like when he's when he tells the guy he wants to keep his eyeballs and the guy's like, why would you want to do it? And he's like, I don't know. My mom gave mother, them to me. My mother. Like, gave that was pretty, yeah. Yeah, that, like that's that, a, that's a pretty good. That's like one. That's that was one of a the solid few, line. That's a solid joke that like lands well. But then like most of the jokes just don't just don't get there. <laughs> um, yeah, and, I didn't. I think it's because I don't anticipate them because I mm-hmm. the entire time it's not funny. There's nothing about it that's trying to be goofy, really, mm-hmm. unless it's just cheesy. But that's different. That's just bad execution. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but when the one liners hit, you're like, why is this suddenly supposed to be funny? I don't know. It was jarring yeah. to me. Yeah. For, for some reason, this is reminding me of a moment that I do think we missed on talking about the good because I thought it was this little microcosm idea that I thought worked and gave a little bit of interest 
was the the prison where the guy is playing the organ. Tim Blake mm-hmm. Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that scene, even though it was very small, I thought that was a very interesting thing because they talked about how people are incarcerated in the future and that you've got like this weird guy playing music, the idea that they're so conscious, but they're not fully conscious. And that part I thought was very interesting. It almost mm. seemed like they don't even know really what's going on. Yeah. They're like, they say they're just dreaming or there's something going on. But even the way they described it to me, it came off like we're actually not 100% sure what is going on. Exactly. But we're putting them in this sleeping comatose kind of thing. And, and it was kind of like, so the movie Dread, the, the recent one yeah, with yeah. Carl Urban, they talk about how people have to go to the ISO cubes mm-hmm. and it sounds scary because you're like, man, that sounds terrible, but you don't know what it is. And it was kind of cool to see a futuristic prison, but done seriously. Like this is how it be unlike demolition man, where the future prison was kind of a joke. Mm, uh, yeah. But in this one, I thought that was interesting and, and I didn't mention it during the good part. And I do think it deserves recognition as at least being a kind of an interesting scene. And I wish more of the movie was kind of like that. Yeah. Deep diving into weird, weird concepts. Yeah. I, however, don't think that'd be a very, like, I mean, okay, I have problems with just the way we do prison in general, but I, I don't feel like that's actually going to help. <laughs> um, just like, oh, we'll just put you in a coma for your sentence. Like, oh, yeah. agreed. Agreed. Like, yeah, you don't, like, like, so when you wake up, you didn't really learn anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like, yeah. It's not like they went through therapy. Like, it would be cool if they were like, oh, we're going to, I don't know. <laughs> it's like to punish you we're going to use time to kill everyone you know and then you have to live again that's yeah. true like maybe if you're if it's like cryo sleep or something you're like yeah. time flies and then you just have to accept the new world that you're in or something yeah. which is yeah. again not helpful yeah, well, they, they, yeah. they kind of played with that idea so there's this british comedy science fiction show called red dwarf oh yeah, red uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so he gets punished the main character he becomes the last human because he gets stuck in cryo for three million years hmm. but the idea was when he was being sent to cryo is he was going to forfeit like three months worth of wages because they're on this big oh, cruise yeah. Yeah. and that made sense because the idea is you are going to really set yourself behind on your whole thing mm-hmm. and that worked in that concept that but yeah. yeah all the other times when they just like we'll put you in cryos it was like i feel like that's not like like i said i have problems with the way prison is done in america mm-hmm. as it is just but i mean like that is definitely not going to work um because yeah. you'll just wake up and be the same person you were oh no like, like, yeah it's take not, a nap. <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm like it's not like yeah you're gonna you, you have to go take you go to your room and take a nap like yeah, that's, exactly. it's, it's like yeah how was prison it was restful and my bitcoins were so much now yeah yeah it's, right yeah, yeah. it's just there's no way that this really works in any way i mean like yeah i mean i don't like really believe it like you know we should have you know, you know we should, it should be a re- rehabilitation kind of thing we should be trying to exactly. have better humans that coming out of prison instead of recidivism you know that kind of thing instead yeah. we just sort of focus on punishing people this is just an example of how even the punishing of people wouldn't even work it's not even <laughs> so, an element anymore yeah. yeah it's not even an element so yeah unless they're like given some weird like coma movies where they're like given therapy there i guess but i don't know yeah <laughs> um whatever but yeah and to to add to what you mentioned earlier about how the comedy wasn't hitting i think a good example of that was they had these like two moments where you saw advertisements mm-hmm. like this is what advertisements are like and it felt like they were trying to make them whimsical and funny kind of like the way they were done in starship troopers mm-hmm. only it really worked in starship troopers because uh why well, can't i remember his Who name the director of starship troopers uh, for home, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he was going for a very specific thing, and it worked in the context where, as they were really jarring in the world, Minority Report was trying to create, and I, I think part of that is because Minority Report didn't quite know the world it was trying to create. It right. always felt like it wasn't sure what it was doing, and mm-hmm. you're kind of watching a half-baked aesthetic. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I'm with I'm with you there. I the, I do kind of think the ad stuff is actually kind of a prescient thing. I think that that's mm-hmm. if there's anything from this, like yeah, that definitely sounds like something that might happen. Like I walk into a <laughs> Gap and they're just it's gonna ask me like some robot's gonna ask me about like the shirt I bought or something like and they'll I, know your name and try yeah. to like I'm, like yeah. that's exactly what we have right now and like if right. you like you know if you search pancake recipe all of a sudden you get all these IHOP ads in yeah like, they think you have a yeah. pancake fetish so they're like shoving it down your throat you're yeah, like yeah. I just wanted to know once yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, one time. Yeah. And so, like, that's, like, so that that's that seemed really, like, you know, okay, you know, I'll buy that. Like, that one, like, I could see the future being like that in that sense, but. That's, it was just as annoying, and I believe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, like, the humor of that does not really add anything. I think it should be an annoyance more than anything else. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, this is, that that is maybe one of the more dystopic things, other than the whole general concept is actually pretty dystopic, but. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. Um, oh yeah. So, okay. One of the things like when I talked about it being like a little overlong, I think one of the things like I wrote, I wrote down, we are 40 minutes into the movie and now the plot starts. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, cause like, okay, I'm cool with like, we had to have like a good chunk of time showing the world to be like, this is like, yeah. so us having that whole like sequence where he goes and stops the guy, like, that's fine. That makes sense. That also could be probably trimmed down a little bit, but then it takes like, it takes us 40 minutes before we actually get to the part where he's being framed for a murder. And, like, we need to not do that. We need to have that happen sooner. And then we also have the twist happens, and then we have all this movie left with, with, with Ma- after Max von Sydow, you know, shoots Colin Farrell. And there's just, which very similar to, with the funny, like, I kept thinking of L.A. Confidential when... Uh, when when a similar thing happens in LA Confidential, but somehow LA Confidential makes it work, whereas this somehow did not. And yeah. I yeah, yeah. yeah, there there are kind of some sort of aftershock twists after that. But like you said, there's there's still a lot of movies. It's like, okay, we we know basically everything at this point, everything we really need to know, but the movie just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And this how is- did I know the precogs weren't working when old guy shot Colin Farrell? I don't know his name, so I'm going with that. that never Max von Sydow, yeah. Yeah, but I was like, everyone knew he was going to go visit that man. And with the retinal scanning and everything, they knew where he was. And he thinks he's just going to get away with it, even though the precogs weren't there. That part really, really bothered me. Because I was like, yeah. dude, there's still a dead guy, a high-profile dead guy who wanted and to And I talk just to don't you. see him cleaning it up. So I was like, yeah. oh, who helped him? And then he like, put a gun on the ground. Like, yes, mm-hmm. murderers just throw their gun on the ground when they're done. But it, it could have so been stupid. like a sign of his arrogance. Like, he's like, I can do whatever I want, maybe. Mm-hmm. Up, yeah. Up, up, up I did it once before. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can figure This is out. what is known in the business as <laughs> another plot hole. Yeah. Feel that. Yeah, feel that. <laughs> Oh, oh man but All like right. going back to what you were saying andrew with like how it took 40 minutes to get there because it had to explain the world mm. for some reason i still felt like it was a small world like i mm. still don't know oh yeah you, i don't know there's like, no vastness to it. there's, there's no vast depth and i still feel like i have no idea how the rest of the world works i just know how the police force works and mm. the precogs and that's all i know Whereas, like, with Blade Runner, I had a better understanding. Uh, like, what Tim was saying is, like, I feel like I know the world better than the characters, which is really weird. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, the complete opposite. I have no idea. I don't even know the characters of those, so I don't know anything. I mean, well. I feel like I know them better, but, like, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. with Tom Cruise and his son, like, we have history. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. fair. That's fair to say. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. I don't know. That was the only weird thing about it. I was like, wow, yeah. we spend so much time, and I still don't care, like, yeah. about the world. <laughs> and uh, and uh, in, a, well, it's in a post-COVID thing, that pool scene, which is actually, like, the pool scene works pretty well. Like, um, and, uh, when they, they yeah. maybe could have brought it in a little 
little bit earlier, but um, but the because it's basically that pool scene is there to kind of explain why he's good at holding his breath. Um, right. Um, uh, yeah. But I mean, like in in that moment, that's why it's there instead of like just telling us that it's terrible that his son died sure. or was grabbed or whatever. But uh, so the my whole thought during that whole pool scene is like, man, that's a really crowded pool. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. man, just, I felt just, really. Uh, I just felt so grossed out because it's just post-COVID world, and well, it's not post-COVID, but you know this this world with COVID. I'm like, ah, <laughs> this, this, I can't like, do this. This is gross. Stop touching me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I, I I agree. That's that's kind of weird now more mm-hmm. than it would have been. But you know, I think I would have been bothered by it then ago. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is really crowded, um, and everyone is useless. That's the other thing. Like, <laughs> huge crowded thing. There had to be multiple cameras at this place, um, mm-hmm. considering the world that they're in. That like they got nothing. Yeah. So yeah, I, that's interesting to me. But okay. Plot whatever. hole number three. Plot hole number three. Yeah. Oh, and plot hole number four. Um, no one just bothered to take away his approval to get into things. Right. Um, right. The eye works yeah. no matter what. Yeah. yeah. The eye works no matter what. Like that. That was like another. Like no one just thought to just make that click. Um, or one mm-hmm. would or one would think that as soon as you have a warrant out for you that they'd be like, oh, yeah, I security guess. clearance revoked. Yeah, Done. yeah, no, no doors yeah. opening, nothing. Nope, nothing. Yeah, so that that's another thing. But uh, and wouldn't I don't know anything about eye anatomy, but I'd also assume that there would be some sort of effect on the eyes when you remove them that maybe mm-hmm. they would just not work as well because they get all. Chances, well, there wouldn't be any blood moving through them, for one thing. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to hand wave that one a little bit because it's, it's kind of science fictiony and creepy yeah, far effect. Yeah. But you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my phone doesn't recognize my fingerprint half the time. So, yeah. just saying. Yeah. <laughs> just... All right. Well, is there anything else that we need to complain about before we move no, on? What my favorite one is not only do they have a really cheesy voiceover at the end where he's oh, like yeah, we've yeah. had a really long movie but we can't make it another hour so i have to tell you everything that's going to happen in the future and they never address the fact that he's a raving drug abuser oh yeah yeah it's never let that go too he's like they my, really wife, let my that wife's go. back with me but i'm i you know i'm still an addict he doesn't, yeah it made it seem like oh i'm not an addict anymore like making it seem like it's totally a, a non-issue with people you know like he can just go away and he hasn't resolved the issue with his son because he didn't actually find his son's killer so that should nope. still be bothering him a lot well it was resolved because she got pregnant they're like we'll just make another one that's what it felt like i was yeah. like this is just throwing away yeah the yeah um, I, really I agree yeah <laughs> yeah the, the the ending was was weird in that way and and a few others so some some of the effects that you know maybe at the time would have looked you know oh yeah kind of eye popping and and wow uh, pun not intended um, <laughs> that was unencouraged um, yeah it, well yeah it, it it works even though I I didn't mean for it to mm-hmm. uh, like like the 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 fancy future self driving cars on you know mm. weird curved and horizontal and vertical go any which way tracks it's like, that's kind of a neat idea. Idea, that effect has not aged well no but i would actually argue it's still it hasn't aged well but it's still one of the better looking effects in the movie mm. the plant effects when he's getting attacked by the reeds oh yeah lines yeah. was really hard to watch yeah, yeah that yeah. was that was kind of rough um and how I, no one recognized his saggy face when it was so obviously tom like, cruise mm-hmm. with this like, deep face yeah yeah i mean people said the same thing about nick nolte in the mandalorian it's like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, it's Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. He's aged really well, hasn't he, folks? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, definitely. Just, just can't, just can't figure it out. All right, so let's go. In, so one of the one of the, going to the themes. One of the things that I've noticed this time around is like it's hard for, like, when something is so close to 9/11. It's hard not to think about its effect on this. And for this, I actually oh, was yeah. thinking more about the Patriot Act. And so the idea of pre-crime, which is kind of a fascist idea if you think about it, but the mm-hmm. um, but the idea of pre-crime. Uh, in in a 2000 world concept 2002 concept is uh is you know a bit of a meteor theme when you think about it it's like if we think of like instead of just murder we just think of it as just like what how everything was terrorism at that time Mm -hmm. um like that's that's more i have nothing like particularly deep to go with there because i don't think the movie really delves in there that much but Mm -hmm. i do think that there is something fascinating about the concepts of 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 this like of of like trying to get someone before they do the big crime and like the ethics of that. And that's, yeah. that's interesting. Like that's something it, it's interesting, but I don't unlike Blade Runner, I don't think the movie really leads in like goes to a particularly great place or not goes to a place where it's even like thinking about that discussion that much. Yeah. They just, they just kind of like, ah, it's wrong. Um, and like, yeah, of course, yes, it's wrong. But I mean, like we could get into like the deeper layers of all this and it doesn't really go that way. And I feel like this, this takes place in Washington DC for a reason. Um, it would have been like, cause I feel like if this took place in like Detroit, it would, I mean, well, we would have thought of RoboCop if it was Detroit, but like, like let's say that this yeah, took place, yeah, like, like, let's say this took place in, <laughs> yeah, so never mind about that. So let's say it took place in like New York or something like that. Well, that's, it's like a different feeling. So like the whole government aspect of this is like a very important thing, but I feel like it's kind of glossed over. There's the start of a deeper theme that doesn't really, it doesn't, it, like, it's, there's not enough there for me to even dig into it that much. Ah, that's okay. the, that, that was just something that I, that I, that I noticed yeah. this time around. It was just like, and, and sometimes it seems like the, they, they come off more like clergy than cops from time mm. to time. And I find that kind of interesting. Um, and so, me, and, and just, and they kind of address that in the movie. They say something yeah. like that. Yeah, like, they, really they, they literally said exactly that. Yeah. It's yeah. more clergy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they, that's more clergy than cops, and like, and I think okay. that that's like, I think that's another idea. That like, and that goes back to that, to that, you know, Phil Cape Dick theology thing. I'm sure you all understand the legalistic drawback to pre-crime methodology. Here we go again. Look, I'm not with the ACLU on this, Jeff. But let's not kid ourselves. We are arresting individuals who have broken no law. But they will. The commission of the crime itself is absolute metaphysics. The pre-cons see the future, and they're never wrong. But it's not the future if you stop it. Isn't that a fundamental paradox? Yes, it is. Um, yeah. like, you know like there's there's definitely stuff there but the movie doesn't go there and instead goes instead for this action movie when i think it could have been if it had just been a science fiction film and just like if, even if it's just even if it's a science fiction crime movie i think they could have gone into those themes a little bit better than just you know focusing on this like action set piece instead like and we oh. did not need to have jetpack sequence for instance and we could, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you and i actually think that when it released was both the reason it was so popular but also like you said why it failed because mm-hmm. it was written and filmed before 9 11. yeah totally it had and to so been, yeah. i think if it was made a year later they would have actually worked on the script more and kind of tied it more towards these themes like i think that's something steven Spielberg would have purposefully done mm-hmm. but i think the reason it was successful though is since it kind of had these ideas kind of half-baked or whatever you want to call it but it came out at the right time so it was the right movie for people to watch but i don't think it has any historical long-standing relevance because it wasn't deep enough like you said it wasn't complex enough mm-hmm. about it it was just related enough more so than than the way the phantom menace dealt with stuff <laughs> yeah uh you know it was a little bit more relevant still weak though mm-hmm. yeah yeah 
No, I, I like that there are lots of those those ideas like that in this movie, but it ends up being kind of a hodgepodge because it never really goes very deep on them. It, it uses yeah. them as sort of set dressing and world building and mm. then turns into this action detective thing. And and that's really what, what carries the rest of the movie. And so I, I like that those are there and they, they do kind of ask the audience about them, which, you know, I like I said, I feel Blade Runner kind of doesn't. Mm. But I feel like there's there's too much here and it doesn't do enough with any one piece of it. And it, mm-hmm. it and it doesn't, you know, even invite the audience so much to connect the dots. It's it's just sure. throwing one thing at them after another. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like it just needs one more script. Like yeah, one script one more pass would have, would have made yeah. this you know quite a bit tighter, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and and if and, and if uh, and if I don't, and if the studio said two hours, Steve, make it two hours. Like I think that that would have would have definitely saved it because um, I think there's I think, a good movie in this. It's just yeah, agreed. Yeah, I I I felt like at the end of that movie, like Minority Report, was that I was oddly. I had more questions and they weren't the kind of questions that were interesting. They weren't like, Oh, what would it be like? I was actually, I was concerned. I was like, I have more questions about the movie. Like I have, <laughs> I don't know what, nothing was resolved. I mean, except the fact that we found out, you know, the, the cog, the precogs are flawed or, or, you know, you can actually manipulate, manipulate it. And it's not, it's, it's not a perfect system mm-hmm. or whatnot, but then they're like, yeah. And then at the end, when they said we released all the, prisoners and they were pardoned and i'm yeah. like okay yeah but like remember how there weren't any murders and it's like because they were going to murder i feel and i know the whole like you have a choice thing but people chose to murder as well and they were and they were about to so i i guess i just had questions of like i i i love the concept of that we have a choice but why are we releasing all these people like are we not are we, are we, are that. we helping them are they going to be like just mm-hmm out in the wild are we, are we taking we, the pre-crime resources to like some other kind of resource for these people right. like, like are we fixing it still or or are we you know are there still efforts to like reduce crime or they were just like wow oh, we're just gonna go back to what it was or, which is which would be what america would do if i'm gonna be yeah, honest but, but like maybe well, i answered yeah. my own question you're right yeah. <laughs> but, but right when we right when the movie ended you brought up that you said remember that guy that they started the movie with to introduce what this concept was uh, like and he was, he was like, trying to kill seconds. his wife. That was premeditated because he knew she was cheating and he decided to stay and he had the weapon. This wasn't an accidental thing where, you know, it could have gone another way. He was going to kill this woman. So all of a sudden he's pardoned because and he was. there's yeah. flaws in their legal system. Like, I think if you were already making detaining people legal, you, you'd have a different method than everyone is free now because we were wrong. Yeah, and then the question is like, is he still an addict? What happened to his son? Like, yep. are we just going to pretend that didn't happen? Is his wife okay with him having become a workaholic druggie and now is like, we can do this Does again. he still have a job? Because yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he does. I, he doesn't with pre-crime. Like, not, not there. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't so, exist anymore. Yeah, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, those are the kind of questions you don't want to be left with, and those are the ones that I kept thinking about. Not like the conceptual, like yeah. cool, interesting ones. The the creepy nurse guy who takes care of the precogs. What is he gonna do now? Oh, he I probably mean, just goes to a different prison. Is is my guess? <laughs> he has to do something creepy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's yeah. my guess. Is that he just goes like he's he's already in the penal system, so they probably just transfer him or something. Mm, um, yeah. He probably screws some other guy out of a job somewhere else. Is is is, is my <laughs> exactly. guess. But or he retires and becomes like some kind of activist or I don't know why it's like I it's like for uh, yeah. for Tom Cruise uh, for Tim Blake Nelson like I don't know maybe he does I don't know maybe he takes up fishing I don't know um, <laughs> yeah yeah like, there yeah. there are loads of those kind of questions at at the end and I I feel like most of them aren't really plot holes but they're definitely head scratchers yeah mm-hmm. yeah they're they're driving home from the from the theater problems 
or midnight snack yeah. problems. Like, mm-hmm. like they're, and those are things that really do bog down the film. So like anything else y'all got about Minority Report? I mean, there's so much, but no. <laughs> I know, it's just, uh, <laughs> such, a, such a rich text. Um, I it know. Is. It is. I, 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 all I would say is to people who are listening and have not seen Minority Report, I would never say don't watch it because there definitely is a fan base to it. There are people yeah. out there who like it. There's critics yeah. who like it and there's interesting ideas. I would just say this is one I, I think I can't tell people if they're going to like it or not. Mm-hmm. They might like it, but it's definitely not a flawless film or a particularly stellar example of any specific part of it. Sure. There's movies that have done things in this better, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's that's all I would say. Yeah. Yep. No, I, no, I feel you. I agree. Yeah, I uh, I also agree. I mean, I as as much as I've ragged on it here, I kind of didn't mean to. I actually did enjoy the movie. I mean, it's it's got a lot of problems, but I had a good time. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if enjoy is the word I'm going to use, but I will say I am entertained when I watch it. That it does it does at least click that. You know, there there are very few Spielberg movies that I've seen that I wouldn't say I wasn't entertained by. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, if, yeah. If, if, if there's anything I can say for Big Steve, it's at least that. Um, <laughs> so wait, let me pull up my list. I want to just prove oh, it, right, sure yeah. what I'm missing. Yeah. Um, hook. Hook. Ah, okay, I'm entertained, but okay. So I'm the right so, age to have yeah. nostalgia for that, so I can't really give a particular. Well, I, will, I, I am too. And, I will admit it's a little yeah. overlong um, and has some problems, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, I'm entertained by that film. Like, and here's the thing: I am easily like, you. A D plus movie entertains me. <laughs> A D and lower film does not really entertain me. Um, <laughs> so, like, to just kind of give you that kind of idea. Like, if yeah. I'm... Because, yeah. And, although there are F movies that do get that, that I do get enjoyment out of, but it's... So uh, I had just so. recently rewatched Hook. Yeah. And I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, and I didn't like it as a kid. Oh, I, yeah. As a kid, I found when uh, Ron Williams becomes Peter Pan, I found it very cheesy, and mm-hmm. I wasn't interested. And I found as an adult, though, watching it, this was like six months ago... I liked it infinitely more, and it's not because of Rob Williams at all. Dustin Hoffman Dustin just Hoffman. sold the movie to me. Yep. And so I was yeah. like, I'm seeing it as an adult, just like with Mrs. Doubtfire. Sometimes when you see a kid's movie as an adult after a long time, your entire view on it is polar opposite. And the hook was that to me. Mm-hmm. I was more like, I get the pirates. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of like, I, yeah, you kind of understand the what used to be the antagonist. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't know, they kind of had a really good point. Maybe yeah. maybe I am an adult now. Yeah. Yep, no. yep, nope, nope. Yeah, that's yeah. I like that. I, I, I know that that movie's divisive. I still like it. it. It has problems. It certainly does. But I don't really get the hate for it that is out there. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's that's that's a weird piece for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, it's hard for me to pick like it's like even like Ready Player One. Like I mean, like I was entertained by it, but it's I'm never gonna call it a good movie. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, right. Watch it again. Totally. yeah, I'm never watching that movie again. I may watch no. the the Shining sequence again just because I'm a horror guy, but that's oh, that's, sure. that's that's about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, when it comes to Minority Report, though, I guess like if I'm gonna give it a grade, I do think it has some. <sighs> It has some good merits. It's got some stuff going on. I'm inter- I am entertained. I think it may be just a flat C. Mm. Maybe slight. I don't. Yeah, I'd say it's by and large, it's kind of an average movie, even for Spielberg. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So I think I kind of have to feel like I. It has it has C plus qualities to it. It has a lot. It has it has a spectacle that is usually beyond the average movie. But when I walk away from it, I'm just like, yeah, that wasn't so great. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. I think I would give it a C minus, mm-hmm. uh, barely from a D, 
plus, but definitely a C minus. And I think it's because I'm, and I'm giving it more credit because when I first watched it, which was when it first came out, I did like it. Yeah. I don't know what it was that has shifted in my life that <laughs> now I'm bragging on it. Yeah. And I don't particularly like it as much, but something did happen inside. And I just, and I'm not a big fan, but I have to put, you know, some sort of like acknowledgement that young me liked it and there could be people out there who still like it and might like it the first time they watch it mm -hmm. i don't know what it is but clearly it's entertaining yeah and there's a lot of concepts in it that i really did like unfortunately as tim points out well i don't know where the countdown is anymore but there's a lot of plot holes and that's 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 it though but yeah c minus mm -hmm. I think okay. solid minus. Yeah, I'd say a C minus, and to keep in tone with the food analogy from Blade Runner, uh, I love it. I'd say because it's a Spielberg movie, it's like going to a restaurant you like, but you ordered something off the menu you've never had before, and you're disappointed. Mm. Not because it's terrible, but because you know it should have been better. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I feel that. Yep. it's frustrating. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. that's kind of where I am. This is this is fairly average. I mean, there there are things about it that are reasonably well executed. You're not. Not bad, but not really great either. Yeah, Tom Cruise is still Tom Cruise. He's still doing he it twenty well. years later, and he's he's <laughs> still yeah. But yeah, this this is this is about a C. Yeah. Oh. All right, all right, all right. So uh, there, I did notice a few things that are in both movies. The I did so there's detective work going on. Uh, being pursued is a is a big part of both movies. Um, there is an extreme close-up of an eyeball early on in both movies. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like I thought that that was actually like that was like, well, that is a weird like that's a weird thing to have in common. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it seems that the future is uh, brought to us by Coke in and Lexus in, in Lexus and Blade Runner, but in uh, the future is brought to us by Aquafina and Pepsi in Minority Report. Um, <laughs> so 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 the companies. So to, yeah, so unlike Demolition Man, where there is the 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 restaurant the franchise wars, wars and every restaurant is Taco Bell, yes. Yeah, yeah. So with the the soda wars, it is either it's still ongoing or Pepsi won by that point. But yeah, and uh, and both movies feature a kind of anticlimactic villain death, um, <laughs> depending oh, on yeah. your opinions yeah. there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was something I found interesting. And uh, and one other thing I wanted to ask before uh, before we finish up is uh, so recently Mickey Rourke threw some shade at Tom Cruise and said that he's been playing the same character for like thirty five years, and, uh, and I was wondering if we if we agreed or disagreed. Mm -hmm. This this week I also just watched um, the Color of Money, uh, Martin Scorsese's sequel to uh, to the Hustler, where Tom Cruise just plays a fantastic jerk. And so I, I will say that Tom Cruise in this movie is very different from Tom Cruise in, in The Color of Money. <laughs> I, I will say that. Um, but Color yeah. of Money came out in like the mid-80s, so it's it's a little bit past the time. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, I kind of feel that there is a lot of Ethan Hunt in in this mm -hmm. in this particular character. Yeah. But um, I don't know if that's in everything Tom Cruise. Like, I don't feel like it's the same character from The Last Samurai. Like, um, I feel like his bread and butter is playing the, playing the same character, but I do think yeah. Tom gets distressed from time to time. Like, Magnolia, he's a very different character. Um, mm -hmm. Tropic Thunder, he's a very different character. That's a yeah. very yeah. weird... The Tropic Thunder one's kind of this weird, awkward yeah, offshoot yeah. that... But it yeah. displays that he can do it well. It displays he can yeah. do it. Yeah. But he can do it, yeah. he can do it pretty well. I mean, like that yeah. that's the and, thing. and that was that was deliberately, you know, for that reason was, mm -hmm. was that he was playing yeah. against type and 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 it was a big secret. And yeah. you know, 
So there, there was that. He's definitely done other things. I mean, you even talk about movies, you know, like uh, Interview with the Vampire and Collateral. I actually really like yeah, I am with, no with, Tom with Cruise apologist, but he is really good in Collateral. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's kind of off the beaten track. And it's like, I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm an apologist, but I mean, the, the truth is, yeah, he is really known for this one sort of type of character. And he's he has done that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has done other things. And the truth is, He's nearly always really good at what he does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, re- regardless I, of what you may or may not think about him as a person, I think he's kind of nuts, nah. but he's good at his job. He is good at his I, job. Yeah. Once again, Tim, I think you said it perfectly. I completely agree. He is very good at his job and politics and whatever he is outside of it is irrelevant because we're watching a movie and we're supposed to be suspending our disbelief and everything mm-hmm. and he can do it. But I would argue that even though, as Andrew said, his bread and butter is kind of playing a very similar role, there is range. And and you guys mentioned Clatter, and I was going to bring that up. I think his range, when I was thinking about this question, if you look at Cocktail, <laughs> Collateral, and then you watch the new Top Gun movie, Maverick, you will see three completely different roles. Yeah. And I think they're proof that he has range. It may not be drastic through the roof daniel day lewis range but it's more range than a lot of action stars have and i think that's i'm not saying cocktail's a good movie but he is not his normal role in that he's a Mm. weird yeah young kind of impulsive but like he's vulnerable in that movie Mm. it's it's probably closer to the to the character in color of money but not quite the same yeah 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 i am for the life of me i think he's only okay though he's only been not he's been nominated for three academy awards um so i'm like he there's a reason oh. why he hasn't won i'm pretty sure yeah. Yeah, 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 um yeah. and i do think part of it is like i like before we recorded i said that tom cruise has a tendency to be to work with great directors but usually not in their best movies um and <laughs> if you look at his his track record i mean like he's in like he's in legend directed by ridley scott he's in this directed by steven spielberg he's directed but he's in Eyes Wide Shut, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Like, I mean, he's is uh, like he's in movies that are made by really big directors. That are very, like he's in Color of Money, which is like you know not a bad Scorsese movie, but no one's ever gonna call it the best Scorsese movie. Like, I mean, he's like he's had yeah. like he's worked with the coolest people possible, but he's rarely in their best movies. And so I think that might be part of the reason why um, he doesn't like get the accolade that, that maybe yeah I don't know. And I'm but not, he also. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the only thing I would say is that, like, yeah, I absolutely disagree with the comment that he just plays with, you know, the same character. But I also like to point out maybe that he chooses these characters as well. He's a he's an adrenaline junkie. He literally does all his stunts. He loves these kind of movies. He wants to be in these movies. And that's going to come with a certain personality. Totally. So can he do something else? A hundred percent. But it's just kind of one of those like that saying just because you're hung. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you might have the ability to, like, do something, but it isn't necessarily you're going to want to practice yeah. or do it or spend time, like, you know, with a speech therapist to find a new accent to play mm. this role that is very specific. He could probably do it. I just don't think he wants to. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you're right there. Yeah. And I also think a good thing, because you mentioned he does pick these roles, but I've seen interviews where he talks about how usually when he roles are offered to him, he does a lot of research and he turns down a lot because he's like, oh, yeah. this isn't accurate enough or or whatever but with maverick the one thing that that became very apparent is he has a lot of control behind the camera yeah yeah and so i think that one of the issues you might have is you have these great directors but he has so much 
control and power over what happens that there might be power struggles that do have long effects because how many of these great directors worked with him more than once yeah not not too many yeah. i think I mean, the only one i know for sure is the director yeah, who did maverick did oblivion okay and he worked with him uh, okay. he also did tron legacy i think he did those three movies but oh, uh, kaczynski uh, was it yeah kaczynski yeah Joseph yeah kaczynski Mm. Yeah, and so he's worked with him twice, but usually when you have these great directors, they work with him once, and there might be a reason. There might be a reason. And he did work with Spielberg a couple times, because he did this in War of the Worlds. With War him, of the Worlds, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. I forgot oh, about that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I am curious if when he says, like, he really goes in the research, if it's just him reading the scripts, like, it looks like I'm not running in this movie, so nope. <laughs> um, I'm not jumping on anything. Yeah. yeah. So, this nope. guy doesn't have to be tall, does he? <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, is there a building I can jump into or maybe off <laughs> yeah. over something? Can we put that in? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. no, it's a desert. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for coming in, you two. This is pretty great. What's going on with Hair of the Werewolf? Uh well, right now we are, you know, obviously weekly we're putting out episodes of our horror paranormal podcast. If anyone's interested in that kind of genre, very specific. <laughs> it's very different from a movie podcast, but yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't have that range. We're kind of Tom Cruising it, you know what we I mean? We tell each other stories that are supposed to be true. It's up to you yeah. to decide whether or not you want yeah. to accept it as true, but yeah. we research stories that people believe. Yeah. And then we try to talk about, you know, we, we try to be as accurate as possible when we're telling the stories, and then we have our own silly opinions, and we usually do it while we're drinking. So that <laughs> is also... <laughs> something we like to add in there and every now and then we play like games with each other quizzes or trivia just to shake it up nice drinking games that we like to attach every once in a while so Mm -hmm. and we're going to record our episode probably today and put it out hopefully in the next day but uh yeah we this is this is our big thing right now we love doing this yeah yeah great like yeah, you know, I I listen to every episode, so it's like it's kind of fun. Oh, you're, yeah. the, you're the the podcast I listen to while I clean my house most of the time. So, <laughs> and uh, that is my goal. I feel yeah. like we just we're just there to hang out with you while you do the dishes. Yeah, that way we can help clean without having to do anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and uh, you had that twin that episode about the the creepy twins recently. That yes, uh, that it's like the think, Givens. Yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely one to check out, folks. If you haven't like that's that's a fair let's fairly recent one um so a weird story it's right. a weird story yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah so as as for um for, for dead letter we are going to do at least one more of these episodes where we're comparing contrasting an 82 movie to another one um tim and i are debating which one's next but uh, we're definitely yeah, one of those yeah. coming up soon and so then we'll hopefully soon we'll actually you know go back to the theater to check out something new for you um i did see marcel the cell marcel the shell with shoes, uh, with shoes on, which I thought was Marcel the Cell. Damn it, I cannot talk at all today. Okay, okay. R- leprechauns and whatever. Okay, now, um, I yeah. did see Marcel the Shell. The or the oh god. Okay, so the movie is called Marcel the Shell with with shoes on, but I kept thinking of it as Marcel the the Shell, comma with shoes on. Like so, apparently I've been re- thinking the emphasis incorrectly. But anyway, I did see that. Yeah. That's uh, that's very enjoyable. If you're into like my neighbor Totoro, you'll pr- it's got those kind of vibes. That's you know it's a PG movie from eight from A24, so that kind of tells you something. Um, it's like if you want to see what a kids movie from A24 looks like, go check this oh, out. It's uh, gotta be weird. It's a little weird. It's but a Miyazaki it's, film, right? Well, Totoro is the but uh, Marcel the Shell is just like I don't know. It's Jenny Slade and her ex husband making oh, okay, okay. making oh. a movie about a anthrop- anthropomorphic snail shell. That's not it's a it's not a he's some kind of mollusk but we don't know what it's just a talking shell just 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 a shell just a no shell that talks with shoes their shoes yeah and a little googly eye yep and uh and uh, he lives with his uh his his grandma who is voiced by isabella rusolini 
Um, yeah, it's fun. Nice. It's, yeah, you can watch the YouTube short films that it's based off of to get a general idea of what it's like. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's it for us. So, but yeah. Well, we are so happy that you guys had us Thank on. This you. was a lot of fun. And yeah, it was great being able to talk to you, Tim. It's been years. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to do this again. Yeah. So. yeah. And just again, thank you for uh, making me watch Minority Report again. <laughs> anything. So that was the treat. Yeah. Well, I appreciate <laughs> you guys. I could have made you watch Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> sure. yeah, yeah. They gave us something to do while we drank rum. Right. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So for now, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Excuse me, Miss Salome. Can I talk to you for a minute? I'm from the American Federation of Variety Artists.